Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, beer drinkers. Get ready for an all-new experience in information exchange and beer culture. Your only source, only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers from around the globe right to your home. You're not just listening to broadcasters. It's the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Welcome back, everybody. It's week three at the Brewing Network, and another wonderful show we have planned for you here. Today we got EJ Fair Brewery in here, represented by their brewmaster, Morgan. We got him on the microphone right over there. How's it going, Morg? I'm doing all right. I should probably turn your microphone on. Let's try that again. <laughs> I'm doing just fine. Thank you. <laughs> Good. It always helps when I turn the microphones on in the studio, everybody. I want you to know that. In case you're trying to replicate the show at home, turn on the microphones. Lest any of you be worried about last week's mistake, the archiver is turned on and working, and it, it didn't do that for us last week, but, but it's, it's going this week, and y'all should be able to tune in, uh, for the archive later, so how about that? Uh, also, I guess I should say happy Father's Day out there. I don't know if there's any other fathers in the room. It's not me. It, it's not Flo. He's not a father. Morgan? No, no kids? No kids yet. What about a dog? You got a dog? Couple dogs. Okay, I got a dog, so that's kind of fatherhood. Sometimes, every time I brew a new batch of beer, I think I'm like a father because you gotta like watch over that fermenter. You know, I feel like a dad about that. I worry about it when I'm away. Sure. I yeah. wonder if it's feeling lonely when I'm not there to watch it ferment. I'm sure it does. Yeah, I would guess so too. It's beer and it has feelings too. Right? Yeah, I think you have to leave the radio on for it. Actually, I sometimes do that, or at least the television, like the noise in the background of the TV. Whatever you got. I'm getting all choked up now thinking about being a dad to my beer. So uh, happy Father's Day to those who are dads to other things than beer out there. I know our own Dr. Scott, who's usually with us, is uh, not with us today because he's with his family, which I think is cheap, you know, if you ask me. It's it's business here, right? It's the Brewing Network. What do you, you know, your family's got, there's plenty of time for family, right, guys? <laughs> Not sure if I can follow with you. Yeah. No, I'm I'm happy for Dr. Scott that he's home with his kids and uh he'll be back next week. He promised us. I'm um, sure he promised his wife something entirely different, but he promised us that he'd be here next week. So as as long as he keeps his promise to us, then I'm a happy guy. And he'll be back to answer all your tech questions and of course get drunk on the air with us cuz that's that's the other thing that Dr. Scott does best. <laughs> And uh, if you happen to be listening out there, Dr. Scott, a personal happy Father's Day to you. And we finished both kegs that you left us, just like I told you we would. So I'm keeping my promises there, buddy. And we appreciate the beer. Uh, okay. 
Later on in the show, we're going to give away some Father's Day um, giftage. I think I have another gift certificate to beer, beer, and more beer to give away, and I'm going to make it a, a dad contest. So you're going to have to be a dad to win it, so stay tuned. And I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I, I, I was thinking of doing, like, the dad with the most kids or something like that. You know, like the most, which I guess would make him the most sexually active dad at one point in his life although he would now be the least sexually active dad if he's got that many kids i might still do that the many kids giveaway i don't know um we'll figure it out it's going to have something to do with you dads though and it's uh 20 bucks to beer beer and more beer which is you know it's a good amount of stuff so there you go there's the happy father's day to you guys uh it'd be for the uh person with the most amount of fermenters going at one time that would be the whole that's probably deal with all the kids you know right that's probably the best way to, you know, that sort of puts it back in Brewing Network perspective. And uh, then you don't really have to be. Although I feel like they should have at least one real kid. So maybe it's you have to have a real kid or a dog because I accept that as fatherhood. And uh, and then, uh, you're right, then a line of fermenters. Maybe we'll do that. The most beers fermenting at once. That's a good idea. I didn't think about something like that. The most I've ever had fermenting once is at once is three. I've had three. And that's a lot of work. I mean, I'm sure it's not like having three kids, but three fermenters going, all different styles of beer, you know, that's no easy task. And they're all on their own time frame. Are you with me, Morgan? You I don't... definitely understand, yeah. What's the most you have had going at one time? Uh, I have five right now. but uh, You do? Yeah. At, when I was doing a lot of homebrewing, I definitely have more than that going at once. You did? Yeah. Okay. Like... You have to if you want to really get into it. See, I always thought of, I didn't think of getting into it as so much as I actually need that much beer around the house for the, the consumption that happens here. Yeah. If I'm not brewing twice a week, I'm, I'm having to buy beer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Basically. You definitely got to get that under control. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. I got to bump up. I talked about this last week. I'm only brewing five gallons too. Ten. I got I to yeah. go 10. Exactly. And then maybe if I brew twice a, twice a week, I'm good because yeah. that's, yeah. you know, 20 gallons, which. Come on, we couldn't go through more than that in a couple of days, right? Uh, it depends. It might be like money, you know. The more money you make, the more you spend. <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. true. In fact, the day I got a kegerator, I realized that, like, I, I drank out of the kegerator, you know, kind of a lot for about three days straight. And on the fourth day, I came home from work and I didn't even want a beer. I had been drinking a lot of beer and I, I really didn't want one. Yeah. I had three. Well, you don't <laughs> see the bottles, so you, you know, yeah, you have no exactly. idea. You just go. And you just can't help it. A kegerator is such a nice thing to have. You just walk over and it's like the fountain of youth and you have to pour from it. So. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, there you go. Um, John is not with us until later on in the show in case you're wondering why you don't hear his happy voice today. Uh, he actually was in Baltimore at the uh, National Homebrewers Conference this week and um, he did very well. We're going to con- congratulate him later. He won a first place with his Munich Hellas, and that's first place in the entire country. Do you know anything about this contest, Morgan, the, the, the competition that they do? Uh, I know it's the uh, National Homebrew like competition. or Right. But it's like yeah. it's it's the National Homebrewers Association runs the whole thing, right? Yeah, definitely. He's going up against brewers in Maine or Texas or right. anywhere in the United States, I guess, Alaska. Right. I don't know if Puerto Rico, probably. I would hope so. Yeah. They're, they're part of us now. Yeah, totally. Have been for a while. Yeah. Um, you know what I think happens is uh, all right. So I know that you have to you have to qualify just to be there. So first, John qualified in several. I think. I want to say seven, but it might have been eleven different things that he qualified in, and um, 
all those different beers went to Nationals. And then at Nationals, his Munich Helles uh, got a first place, and his Scotch Ale got a second place, and he himself was runner-up for, like, Homebrewer of the Year or something like that, like the highest award for homebrewers. Do you remember exactly what he said it was? Yeah, I think he actually tied as runner-up for the Nikazi Award, which is... Nikazi Award, Yeah, okay. I think it's like Homebrewer of the Year. Okay. Is John on, John's on the phone right now. Cause I knew he was flying in. I told him to give us a call. There you go. Um, okay. Go ahead. Here we go. Uh, Johnny P. JC, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Where are you, man? I am on uh, 24 here. All right. So you're driving home. You made it back on time. Yes, on time, on schedule, and we're on our way. Hey, John, what was the award that you got You got runner-up for? Is it the Nikazi Award? Yeah, it was a uh, second runner-up. Second runner-up, and what is that? That's like homebrewer of the year. Is that what that means? Well, it's 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 basically it's better than that. It's the largest award you can get. It's the largest I, award you can get. Yeah, Jamil and I tied for that. Okay, so there is a homebrewer of the year award, and then there's the Nikazi award. Nikazi, yeah, Nikazi supposedly like has something to do with like a beer god that these uh, people protect. I don't know, and it's supposed to be like. Something significant like that. So. Okay, I like yeah. beer gods. There's got to be beer gods, right? Every time I brew, every time I brew a bad batch, I just blame it on them being angry at me. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I right don't, Jonathan. Congratulations. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, Morgan. There's Morgan. How you doing? Yeah. They're old friends. That's how we got a, a brewer of Morgan's caliber in here. Is that <laughs> John kissed his ass for us, right, John? Almost, I did. <laughs> uh, he finally, I was begging for like, since I heard about it, so he finally got me on here. I and he mean, was like, all right, yeah. Morgan. <laughs> it, only, it only took three pints, I was done. Ah, oh, that's cool, that's cool. Uh, give us an estimate of how many pints you've drank over the last, what is it, four days that you've been in Baltimore? Four days, I'd say probably 15 to 20. Wait a minute, 15 to 20 pints total? Or yeah, a, a day? Oh, uh, total. I'm a lightweight dude. Are you telling me that over 15 days? And I got some drunken messages from you that over 15, over over four days, you you drank 15 pints. <laughs> uh, wait, that's probably not right. Let's think about this. The first, <laughs> the, the first two nights were pretty huge. Uh huh. So so like, um, I would probably I said. I don't know. I had probably six to ten beers throughout the day. Okay. Uh, so it's more than that. All right. Morgan, I'm probably thirty five. John's a lightweight, isn't he, Morgan? Yeah, you, I, you I wasn't even. I wasn't over there, and I think I drank more than that in the past three days. I think I drank yeah. fifteen pints yesterday, John. <laughs> <laughs> You're still breathing. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and that was a slow day. Like I just was. I was working. <laughs> I was at work, and I drank fifteen pints. <laughs> That's part of your work. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're not too far away. Um, We've got a mash discussion going on today for you listeners at home. We're going to talk all about mashing techniques. John, you got that ready for us, right? Yes, we do. <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> as all well that as I could possibly can with that much consumption okay. being in Baltimore for four days. Right. Uh, you you wrote Morgan, it on Morgan, you wrote Morgan it on the plane that. ride on the way home, didn't you, John? It's all in my head. Nice. <laughs> you, you didn't even write it. It's just in not. your head. <laughs> All right, that's okay. I uh, you can't uh, you can't argue about your skills, John. You just won first in the country and a second in the country, and then a runner-up for the Nikasi Award. So uh, I'm confident that your mash uh, discussion is going to go just fine. Hey, I appreciate that, Justin. All right. <laughs> so I think you're going to be here in about 20 minutes or so. Is that right, John? Yeah, I'm about to hit the uh, Caldecott. So okay, so we'll see you in a little bit. 
week. All right. Catch you later, John. There you go. That's John P. for you guys, and uh, he'll be on his way in. And like I said to him, we are doing a MASH discussion. Last week it was yeast. Feel free to uh, write in the chat room or call in with your yeast questions, which brings me to my next uh, update. We did get our toll-free number installed for you guys this week, so uh, a little easier for you to call in and give your input. Now you know. Now it's on us. So 888-401-BEER. That's 888-401-2337, 401-BEER. It's toll-free. Uh, you can call us up. Even if you just want to say Happy Father's Day to somebody, uh, you're welcome to do that. If you've got questions for Morgan from EJ Fair, you can do that. And uh, if you just want to say, hey, that's fine, too. So 888-401-BEER. All right, there you go. Speaking of beer, I need a drink. Mm. I'm drinking an EJ Fair Pilsner right now. Um which is a damn good beer. I got a keg from you guys uh, a couple weeks ago. I went out. I went on a vacation. Was it? The, it was a blonde ale. I think you had the blonde lager. Actually, oh, it was a blonde yeah. lager. That's yeah. right. That was a real good beer. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's four and a half percent. Where my pilsner is six point one. Oh, it is. So four and a half percent. Something it's much easier to drink throughout the day if that's yeah. what you're looking for. You're on vacation. Right, and we were because it was a hundred and ten outside, and we just needed something light and easy. Yeah, that's that's a good session beer. Yeah, it was. I agree, and we we definitely sessioned it to death. So, nice. but this one, the, your pilsner six point one. Yeah, that's right. some serious beer. Yeah, it's a pretty big pilsner. A lot of people will. Uh, Give us a hard time about that, but it definitely uh, hides its weight pretty well. Yeah, so, it does. I yeah. agree. It doesn't taste refreshing. like a like, for example, like a, a six or a seven IPA. Um, on top of it being a strong tasting beer, you can often taste that alcohol in there too. But you're right; you don't yeah. taste it too much in this pilsner. A lot of times on ales, you end up with a little bit more of a fruitiness as the the higher alcohol you get up there. Okay. So on a lager, it's going to be a little bit drier throughout. Okay. Makes it a little bit easier to. I gotcha. I'm guessing that if I keep drinking this by the end of the show, uh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be feeling pretty good. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. Probably though, it's two hours. So yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> it's my show. Damn it. There you go. Do it. <laughs> uh, is Pilsner as a style? Isn't it? And I'm, I could be totally off base here. It's generally a, a lighter alcohol content than a, than a lager or or, or a Helles, uh, as they would call it in Germany. Or is that not true? Um, well, a pilsner can range. There's many different types of pilsners. There's Bohemians. Mm-hmm. There's Americans. There's American Lights. There's a European one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I don't know, there's got to be 10 different types of pilsners. And it okay. ranges in colors and alcohol strengths. And okay. so it depends on what type of pilsner you're actually used to. Like Budweiser would be considered a pilsner. Oh, it would. So, That's not yeah. a lager? It is a lager. Pilsner is a type of lager, actually. Okay, yeah. I gotcha. But yeah. you would call that before you'd call it just a lager. You'd call it a pilsner, sure. it's specifically sure. a pilsner. Okay, yeah. just like you. an IPA would be uh, an ale. An ale, but mm-hmm. you would call it an IPA before you call it an ale. Okay, yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah. All right, so we're going to be drinking some more pilsner, and later on, I've got an IPA actually that I brewed for Morgan to try, and uh, I'll set that up for you guys a little bit later. Um, another update for you folks who want the archives. I know that uh, everybody's wanting archives at home so that we can um, you can you can listen on your own time if you can't make the show on Sunday. I am hard at work on it. The Brewing Network is going through a small crisis in website issues. As soon as our website is built, I talk to some people. Um, I'm hoping for July 1st. 
Um, we'll see. I don't know. I, I don't want to make any promises to you guys I can't keep, but I'm really going for July 1st. And on that day, all the archives will be available for download. They'll be in podcast format. Uh, they'll be in MP3. You can play them on whatever players you want to play them on. It doesn't have to be Winamp then. And you can take them with you. You can do whatever you want with them. So it's coming. I know everybody wants it. It's definitely uh, at the top of our agenda. I just got to get that full website up, which is, by the way, going to be uh, have a lot of other features for you guys, like some video on there and uh, just a lot more things to do with the Brewing Network in general. So hang in there. We're going to keep doing the show. I replay the show. I don't know if you've all noticed, but I replay it usually starting Tuesday night, and I, I just keep it on rotation for like two days. So at, at any given time, usually from Wednesday to Thursday, you can tune in and catch the show on your own time. Uh, you just got to listen to it through the streamer. You can't download it yet. So it's coming. I'm working on it, and, and I'm doing it for you guys. So hang in there for us, please. Um, music recommendations that have come uh, through the forum. Uh, I'm getting to all those also. Although you need to be aware that not every genre fits. Uh, it's it's hard to play everything. For example, right now I've excluded hip-hop and country. Um Kind of on purpose because it's a, those are both niche, you know, they're really exclusive audiences. I'm gonna try to put a little country in there. The problem is that a bunch of you guys will tune in and like the variety and then you hear one song that you don't like or one genre that you don't like and you're out of here. So I'm trying to accommodate as many people as possible. Um, keep the music recommendations coming. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rotate them in as much as I possibly can. And soon I'll be doing specialty shows. So maybe I'll do an all country show or I'll do an all, I know a lot of you guys are asking for like Slipknot and Tool and, and Good Rock like that, which I'm into. I, I would play it all day long also, but it doesn't always fit. So what I'll do is I'll start setting up some shows, some certain hours where I can really play that stuff for you guys. And then, of course, you have to adapt your brew schedule around me, uh, because that's the only time you're gonna get to hear that stuff out of us. Uh, so I'm listening. I just gotta, I just gotta put it up there. And send us in some more brew tips. I know you, if you listen to the stream when we're not live, uh, you can hear our brew tips going and we need some more of those. Um, so anything you got, it doesn't matter. We'll weed out the bad ones, but send them in. And, uh, everybody could use a little more beer knowledge and that's what we try to do here. Alright. Enough about the brewing network. Let's start talking about beer. What do you think, Morgan? I don't see why not. Uh, <laughs> You're out already. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even mind a beer. But, uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, if anyone could get Morgan a beer, that would be awesome. One of I'd our helpful uh, people. I hate to impose or anything. Oh. You're fine. Ah, it's already getting hot in here. Okay. Here's what I want to talk about first. Just a, just a brief discussion because I, um, in watching the television, I want to talk about commercial brewing in general. And I'm, and I'm differentiating commercial brewing from craft brewing. You guys are a commercial brewery, EJ. Sure. Fair. Yeah, definitely. But you're also a craft brewery, mm-hmm. right? Whereas Budweiser is a commercial brewery and I would not call them a craft brewery and I, I'm pretty sure nobody else would either. Yeah, I don't even think they'd call themselves that. Thank you. Right. So here's what I, but, but I'm watching their commercials. Not just for Budweiser, but for Coors and and MGD and and even Sam Adams, who um, who calls himself a craft brewery, and and I've looked at their numbers. They could still be considered a craft brewery as as far as their market share and the volume that they do. Uh, some people might argue with that, but they are one of the craft breweries who decides to spend their money on national marketing, like commercials. Sure, and stuff. so sure. you get to see that. But here's what I'm interested in. In school, we studied some things called pseudoscience. And pseudoscience in marketing is basically where, you know, you, you, 
they sell you something that doesn't exactly exist. You find it a lot in the infomercials where you're you're buying a new, you know, revolutionary cleanser that was tested under laboratory conditions. Sure. And that's all they say. They say it was tested under laboratory They don't say what the results were or whatever. Right. And that's supposed to add credibility and it's supposed to mean something, but it really doesn't mean anything. And I've noticed now that the commercial breweries are doing this big push to to let all, you know, because the craft brew industry is making a, it's making a run for it and people are really starting to drink it. And uh, what's happening is these commercial breweries are, are doing an advertising campaign that brings their beer back to being something special and not just a regular beer. So I want to talk about a couple of the catchphrases that they use, and I want to ask you, Morgan, what you think about this. So I think a lot of you have probably seen Coors Light commercials. And uh, Coors Light commercials are interesting because they advertised that their beer is frost-brewed. That's their yeah. catchphrase. It's yeah. a frost-brewed beer, which is supposed to mean, according to the commercial, that uh, anything that starts out that cold has got to be refreshing, right? To me, frost-brewed means that, that their boil or anti-boil takes place under freezing conditions, possibly somewhere in the Antarctic or at the top of the Rocky Mountains. Sure. And that that's how we get that awesomely refreshing silver bullet Coors Light. Morgan, what the hell is frost-brewed? I'm not quite sure, actually. Um, I did understand fire-brewed. You did? Uh, yeah, but frost-brewed, I'm not quite sure. But it's just all marketing. I mean, you take any... You look into any segment of just marketing anything, and it's yeah. going to be absolutely nothing to do with what's going on with the product. So, right. I mean, you got cold filtered, which I believe is also that's, maybe it's a Miller or a I was going to get to that one. That's yeah. MGD. MGD, MGD is, is cold, cold filtered. What is cold yeah. filtered? I've I've never filtered a beer warm before in my life. <laughs> so all beer yeah. is cold filtered, right? I, I can't guarantee that all beer is cold filtered, but I know that. All the beer that I know about that is filtered is cold filtered for sure. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. See what what bothers me about these things is not necessarily that they make these claims because they're allowed to do whatever they want and they're trying to sell a product and 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 the commercial you know beer industry is huge for our country and it employs a lot of people and makes us some dough. What bothers me is that it apparently works <laughs> because sure, they sure. wouldn't be doing it over and over if people didn't listen to it. Yeah. So maybe as part of an awareness campaign is what I'm getting at here is that is that people should stop and think about you know what's being said to them right and sure I'm all for marketing and 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 I think that it's it's an effective way to get your get your product out there but I'm not all for blindly listening to everything that's told so so when you hear frost brewed I know that you, I'm not saying anything new to your brewers out there I'm just mm-hmm. discussing it with you you guys know as well as I do that you don't frost brew anything and if you could it must be a Smirnoff Ice or something, yeah. right? That's probably frost. I don't know. Um, cold filtered, uh, like Morgan said. Well, everything's probably cold filtered. It's a ridiculous thing to say. All right. How about this one? Now, this one might not be pseudoscience. This one might be real, but I'm curious about the claim. I saw a commercial yesterday where Budweiser claims that they ha- that their beer is the most expensive beer to brew. Interesting. Uh, they right. they said that there is no other beer out there that is more expensive to brew. And then it went on and on and on about the quality of Budweiser. And then in the end said, but it's still cheap for you to buy. Hmm. You know, which my answer to that was, of course it is. It's crap. Um, but tell me about it. What you think about it possibly being the most expensive beer to brew? Well, I mean, 
They could have also, on small print, say that it was the most expensive brew among leading brands. Right. Probably what the what the statement was. Right. So you end up with that, and um, you know, so maybe it is. I don't know. I haven't really looked into their. Uh, well, from uh, a brewer's perspective, they're obviously brewing on a on a a volume scale that is is so far beyond craft breweries. In fact, you could probably combine every craft brewery in the country. To to be a maybe not even the volume that Budweiser brews. Yeah, Budweiser is very huge, definitely. They I know that they are they um, Bud Light holds the Budweiser in general holds the market share. I talked about it last like week. Like Anheuser Busch. Yeah. Anheuser Busch holds the market, yeah. and, and it's an unbelievable share. But, but yeah. they hold it. Um, but I'm curious. Maybe they're considering it the most expensive thing to brew because you have to brew in 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 volumes like that. You know. Sure, but as you get into larger volumes, your prices become lower. So I think what they're doing is they're just trying to make people feel that they're using the most quality ingredients and right. all that kind of good stuff. I'm sure that they probably are doing a fantastic job for the, the product that they're marketing and whatnot. Right. But I think it's actually a completely different market altogether from where like the company I work for, EJ Fair Brewing Company, is compo- as opposed to uh, Budweiser, yeah. Renheiser-Busch. We kind of market to different markets. Okay. So um, I think it's a uh, different business. I wouldn't really understand exactly what they do. Would you so. say in their marketing campaign where they use the best and the freshest ingredients uh, from your experience, is it possible to brew on a scale like that and use the best and the freshest possible ingredients as a brewer? Uh, yeah, actually, because you, you're buying in volume, so you can actually demand the best. Because okay. if you can go to a company and say... I want your best barley possible. Yeah. I'm going to buy this much. Mm-hmm. And if they say, no, sorry, I can't do that, they'll go to a different company. Gotcha. And they can't afford to lose that much. So it is possible for sure. Okay. But I think that uh, as – I think a lot of craft breweries, they kind of focus on – they're still getting excellent, excellent uh, ingredients. Mm. But they're focusing more on tuning those recipes into something a little bit different than those beers. Right. Well, with that being said, is it possible for a small brewery like you then to get the best possible ingredients having to compete with a larger brewery? Or are you just getting different ingredients anyway? We're getting from different companies and, yeah. you know, all that kind of good stuff. So okay. I, I imagine that uh, there is a slight difference, and I don't know whether it's better or worse. But, okay. you know, every, yeah. every place orders different materials from different places. That's what makes yeah. like 1,400 breweries here in in the U.S., Right. So it makes it work to where we can all have different beers. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, you guys being a California, Northern California brewery, uh, do you try to get all your supplies from Northern California? or are you Not necessarily. I mean, we we brew a lot of German-style okay. lagers, and those lagers we actually buy Tettninger hops from Tettning and Hollertauer hops from Hollertau. Okay. And our sauce comes from Czech Republic. And okay. So we try and BKG from, you know, UK. Try and definitely get the ingredients that are best for what you're looking for. Okay. So, yeah. All right. I got one more question before we get off the uh, commercial brewery thing. Sam Adams commercials, uh, they show their brewer going over to Germany and picking up handfuls of the freshest hop and sticking his nose in it and smelling it, Um, which I don't really want to ask about. That's, uh, you know... Whatever, maybe that's really Yeah, I wish I had time to go to Germany and stick my nose in a bunch of hops. (laughs) That'd be great. I just want to watch the Germans' reaction to you doing that. Sure, (laughs) yeah. It's actually much more interesting to me. Are you talking about the individual (laughs) German, or are you... Yes. (laughs) 
What I'm interested in, though, is um, I was talking about that commercial to a Sam Adams rep who mm-hmm. came out to a place that I work trying to sell his beer. Uh, I'm not, I won't give his name. I don't want to get him in sure. trouble. But he said that the brewers that sat Sam Adams sit back and laugh at that commercial um, because they occasionally smoke their hops. And I'm curious, Morgan, if it's possible, if you have, and what happens if you smoke hops. It's funny you ask. Actually, I have tried. <laughs> you have tried. Yeah, it doesn't work. It, it definitely makes you cough a lot. And it does. Yeah, it, you don't. There's no, uh, no uh, good effect or bad effect. It's just a waste of time, pretty much. So there's no. Yeah. It's not like smoking a cigarette where you get a little nicotine, a little relaxation. It's not like smoking weed where you get. It's nothing, huh? I tried once. I mean, I I wouldn't be willing to try again. It wasn't a pleasant experience. But, really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't get anything good out of it. Right. Okay. You know, the funny thing is that even though you gave me that answer, I'm still totally going to try it. You should try it. I'll bring you some hops if you want. I <laughs> okay. Mean, whatever. I don't know what it is. I just yeah. thought I'd ask, but I'm still totally going to sure. try it because I just, you know, I don't believe you, Morgan. <laughs> no, I totally believe you, but it's something that you have to do, right? It's, you do, yeah. It's part of the of the of the uh, proper family. Right? Yeah, I'll tell you what. You take hops and you put them in your pillowcase, fresh hops. Yeah. And put them in your pillowcase. You'll have the weirdest dreams you've ever had in your life. You're fucking with me, right? No, now, right? not at all. You're no. not. <laughs> I had to take them out of my pillowcase. I couldn't handle it anymore. Are you serious? No, you have. Give it a try. Are, what's your theory about that? Is it just the aroma does something to you? I don't know. I I I, try, I chose not to repeat it, so I'm not sure exactly what caused it or whatever. But what kind of dreams are we talking about here? Just very livid dreams. It was a while back that I did that, and I haven't done okay. it since, so I don't really remember. But uh, I definitely would recommend it if you want to see what hops can do and can't do. And, <laughs> then that's one yeah. of them. Huh? Uh, maybe that's why a lot of people like IPAs and sitting there smelling them. And, <laughs> right. You know, yeah. You weren't on any other hallucinogenics at the time that you slept on your hot pillow? I don't remember. You don't remember? No. <laughs> uh, he's pleading the fifth. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. If you've had any hop smoking um, experiences... <laughs> call or, in. Uh, please call yeah. in, because I'm curious. Actually, now yeah. I'm Maybe really the curious. pillow thing, too. Maybe if someone's yeah. done the whole dream if, pillow. If you've done the dream pillow, call in, too. The number is 888-401-BEER. But now I'm curious is where you got the idea to, to add hops to your pillowcase. I actually read about it in a Charlie Papazian book. Okay. Yeah, there was other ingredients I was supposed to put in this little satchel, but oh. I just did just the hops. You so. went straight hops. Maybe yeah, that's figured, where you well, went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. What was his description of what would happen if you did the proper ingredients? I think it basically said something just like, look out. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah kind of the same way I'm telling oh, you. Oh, man. Give it a try, but I think you'll probably stop. Now I'm really nervous about yeah. it, too. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> now, were they, do you say livid? Are we, are we talking like bad? Or just really? Uh, I don't think know. they were bad dreams. I don't remember having very many bad dreams, but they were okay. definitely, I mean, things that would keep you from a restful sleep, if okay. I remember correctly, yeah. But I'm not, like, going to wet my bed or anything. I, I have no idea what your own personal <laughs> reaction would be. Is that something common for you? Or? <laughs> well, not as of, like, a year ago. Right. No, you'll be fine, then. You'll be fine. Yeah. Once I, yeah. yeah, I'm fine. I don't pee that often. Nice. <laughs> All right. Wow, I think that's really... All right, please, if you have any hop smoking or sleeping stories, now I'm really curious about that. How did we get on this? Uh, one beer. It's my bad. Right. I just started... I was like, yeah, someone told me they could smoke it. Although, the guy who, who told me about the smoking, the Sam Adams guy, said that um, that they do get something out of it, and they smoke them all the time. Yeah, well... You know, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you uh, smoke the wrong hops. Maybe it Could depends be. on the strain, right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Your hops weren't sticky enough or something. Uh, something, I don't know. I don't know. 
All right. Okay. Um, enough about that, I guess. If you want to smoke your own hops, go for it. I'm going to. I'm going to give it a go. Um, we're going to take a little break. It's just going to be a short one. John's going to be here in a few minutes to help us out. And then we're going to get right into this interview. I want to know all about EJ Fair Brewery. I want to know more about you, Morg. Uh, I want to know where you, uh, you know, started and, and how you got into professional brewing and, and all that and, and try to get some tips out of you for our home brewers too. Sure. So I know you got lots of good advice and maybe we can get that out to the people. So, all right. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Uh, give us a couple minutes. It's going to be a short break. Um, here's some Jimmy Buffett. The Brewing Network, saving your life, one beer at a time. Welcome back, Johnny P. It's good to see you in the studio. You're pretty face too. Oh, thanks. Thanks, buddy. I shaved for you. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. <laughs> you got the beard going? You got the beard going. All right, welcome back, folks at home. It is the Brewing Network, and you're listening the to the Brewcasters. Oh, wait, stop playing. your life. One beer at a time. Just wanted to hear it again. Yeah, it's really well done. <laughs> I got ACDC to come in the studio and do that for us. It was nice of them. They're beer fans, apparently. Yeah, apparently so. How's your beer? You know what's funny is that John John just sat down, and, uh, <laughs> and he's already got his books open because he, cause he didn't prepare for his mashing discussion. I don't know. I was a little worried. I saw him open books. I started getting my notes on I'm like, all right, you know. Yeah. Morgan's like, shit, if he's all got right. books. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we could talk about it. I don't know. It's good to share with other people. Uh-uh. This is great. I, I can tell you what I know. <laughs> Here's what happened. So I tell Johnny, you know, I decide, uh, we, my, my bad, we decide last week that, uh, we need, you know, let's go ahead and announce what next week's discussion is going to be, uh, on the show so everybody knows about it. And, and John said, well, I think that mashing is going to be a great discussion. It's a good follow up to yeast. And, uh, all the while, you know, John's saying this, he's forgetting that he's leaving in two days for Baltimore <laughs> to go to the Whoops. National Homebrew Conference. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so he leaves and, and, and before he leaves, he tells me, so, you know, I don't, I'm not sure when I'm going to have time to do the mashing <laughs> thing, but I'm going to have time. I'll, I'll do it on the plane. I'll be in the hotel, you know, and I'm all the while I did, I don't say anything to John because I don't want to discourage him, but I'm thinking, Dude, not going to happen. <laughs> if it's me in Baltimore, I'm not doing a damn thing. Like I'm drinking yeah. and I'm going to con, you know, to, to the, the discussions and lectures well, and you're, you're kind of no beer time. fried after a while. So, so I'm giving you an out here, John. It's hey, okay. I appreciate it. And also the fact is that, uh, you obviously know how to mash. You're brewing some awesome award winning beers and I think you're going to do fine. So you just keep reading your little book there. I'm on chapter four. <laughs> Uh, Morgan, what did you bring? Did you go print those out on the internet? Your little notes there? What uh, you got? No, I actually just did a little bit of research. I figured he may or may not ask some like questions where I would need the actual names of things and okay. it's things that you learn at one point and then later on you yeah. forget. It's good to know what the names are, but as long as you know what it does, then it's right. fine. So see, Morgan, you're, you know, well, although you're on an obviously much different level and caliber of brewer than I am, you're so you're a lot like the way that I brew and the way I do radio too, because I want to know how to do it in the beginning. I want to know the details, but after I know the details, I want to forget them, and then I, I just want to do it right. Yeah, like, sure. don't bother me with the details. I'm, I'm an in general kind of guy. I can know how to do it, and I can do it 
it right and then leave it at that. Right? Yeah. yeah. And well, then, you, you know what I've found is that like I've always heard brewing is half science, half art, or whatever the case is. Yeah. And lately, I've actually found out the art portion of it is pretty much just patience, the art of patience. Okay. Right. You know, so I don't know if it's the same way with radio or not, but uh, <laughs> yeah. similar, I'm sure. I don't know either. Let's try. Let's just sit here and be patient for a second and see if it works for radio. Silence. But that didn't work. Yeah, that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out pretty well myself. I mean. That's the, that the best bit we've done so yeah. far. People are like, what are you doing? All right. Okay. I changed uh, up our format uh, just a little bit because you're late today, Johnny. Yeah. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to get into Morgan right now and, and talk about EJ Fair. And then we're going to do our mashing discussion at the end. So okay. you should be able to get through to Chapter 5 by then. Okay. <laughs> uh, let me read it real quick. <laughs> I've got some shirts to give away, too. You do? Uh, yeah. What do you got? I got some White Labs. Cool. And a Widmere's. Shirt. So awesome! Yeah. Did you talk to the guys from Widmer up there? No, they weren't there. But just they were happened just... to get their shirt. Yeah, I got the shirt. All right, that means we got three things to give away to you folks. Well, today. we'll save some for next week too. So you think so? Yeah, I've got three shirts actually. Oh, you do? Yeah. So all right, we're gonna give away a gift certificate today. I already said that it's mm-hmm. gonna be to a daddy out there. <laughs> and then what do you want to give away? One or two shirts, John? Um, one shirt. One shirt. Yeah. You stingy bastard. It wasn't me. Who's your woman? <laughs> <laughs> oh, was the, okay. All right, so uh, one shirt we're going to give away and one gift certificate. Okay. We're going to do that in just a little bit. We're going to give away the gift certificate coming up soon. Um, first, let's start talking to Morgan a little bit about who he is and uh, why we care about him. Huh, Morgan? Uh, I don't see why not. <laughs> I care about you, Morgan. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All right, so you are a professional brewer. You're the brewmaster for EJ Fair, which is uh, located in Concord, California, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you guys distributed? Only in California or what? Uh, pretty much just in California. I mean, we've done some special packages through Cost Plus that have gone throughout the country. Okay. Um, like their craft brew package, American craft brews, and then also a winter pack. Okay. We did a beer in that also. But, uh, for the most part, we're a self-distributed company. Okay. So it's relatively small. I think last year, I think we did 800, 825 barrels. Mm-hmm. 850, somewhere in that range. Okay. And um, and by so, self-distributed, you mean that when you're not brewing, you have to drive your beer around, don't you? Well, actually, right now I have a guy by the name of Stephen oh, uh, cool. Stephen Lopez who does all the deliveries. He does a great job at it. Awesome. But uh, it means that both uh, myself, the owner, and mm-hmm. Stephen, we're answering the phone, finding out who's needing beer. We're making calls. Okay. Throughout the week, so it's not only just brewing and filtering. It's the whole knocking package. on doors and making calls and gotcha yeah okay fair enough uh how long have you been a professional brewer i believe i became a professional brewer in, at 23 27 now so four years four years okay almost yeah wow so and then how about home brewing before that how i started you? on my 18th birthday actually which is what's that's when it's legally acceptable here in the states to do uh brewing really so, you yeah. can you just you can brew you just can't drink it um, I'm a little bit foggy on that subject. I'm not <laughs> you sure. Can, you can buy the beer supplies. Yeah. You can. It's still can. cooking. At yeah. 18. Gotcha. Or, or under 18, too. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's still a gift. It could be for their father or something, so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, you're buying grain. You can't make it illegal for a 16-year-old to buy grain. Right. I mean, it, to yeah. start his burner, to get a lighter, I think he has to be 16. Ah. But, okay. uh, <laughs> I gotcha. you rub a couple sticks together or something like that, you know, <laughs> figure it out. Right. Actually, I, where I used to live in the desert, there was a lot of um, feed stores, you know, for for livestock and farm animals, and and they sold lots of supplies there that could be used to make uh, crystal meth and a bunch of other things. And it was always interesting because they would get farmers coming in to buy all those products to feed their animals and to, right. to make different things on the farm, and then they'd get these young, really. Sc- 
skinny and pale kids coming into the store. With gray skin. And, yeah. yeah, with awesome skin and, and great teeth. Uh, and they'd all come in uh, a little jittery, you know, which is understandable. Yeah. And uh, buying <laughs> all those nervous. products, too. And it's the same principle. You can't make it illegal to buy that stuff. Right. Um, you can only make it illegal how you use it, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And I, I didn't get many people coming in and checking up on me to see... Right. The uh, malt that I bought if I was turning it into beer or making bread <laughs> or whatever. So. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. All right, so you brewed from 18 to 23, and then you went pro. Mm-hmm. All right. Where does your education and your you know your brewing knowledge come from then? Experience, or were you, well, are you formally? You know, I never really did any formal type education. I did a lot of brewing on my front porch. I live out on the Delta. So uh, I've got a little river flowing by the front of my house, and nice. I sat out there and brewed. As much as I possibly could. Do you okay. fish while and you brew? I, I have fished when I brewed before, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Did you ever catch any fish while you brewed? I've caught a couple fish in my life, yeah. Okay. Did you ever yeah. throw the fish in your brew? I thought about it, but I never <laughs> did. I just threw their swim bladder in there, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. sweet. Yeah. Yummy. <laughs> <laughs> well, like Isinglass, you know. Oh, yeah, huh? Yeah. It's fish. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. But, um, yeah, so no, I never did anything crazy like that. Okay. But, uh, All right, you know. so, but, but your, most of your, your knowledge then just comes from doing it? A lot of like the technical knowledge came mm. from actually there was a couple people who I feel I studied under and uh one was the guy that got me my the information on brewing on my 18th birthday. Okay. His name was Boyd. He got me into it and taught me all about sanitation. I mean that was his key factor was sanitation, sanitation, sanitation. Okay. He had me in there with a squirt bottle of Clorox squirting down my cupboards and wow. floor and I mean that's not necessarily it's not necessary. Wow. But um but a good principle you know, to have. Sure, why not? You know, I, I, you're not going to mess up if you're doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And then I had a, another guy who was uh, equally as crazy, but in a different way, kind of teach me more about the finer points of all grain brewing. Okay. And get me kind of caught up on that in a quick fashion. Okay. So I actually decided to become a brewer shortly after I decided to start doing all grain brewing. So okay. I had to know a lot quick, and I had to brew a lot quick. Right. So yeah. And did you just need a job, or you just knew that that's what you wanted to do? So you figured, let's take the the quick route. Um, I had a job that was definitely treating me pretty well. I enjoyed the people. All right. I enjoyed uh, hanging out with them. They paid me pretty well, but I just decided to be a brewer. So, okay. Yeah. Gave them like six months' notice, and uh, went from there. Just decided to go out and become a brewer. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, how long did you work for before you were paid? Um, well, I mean, I, you have to do a little bit of a tenure. Thank you, Jonathan. You okay. I'm just yeah. I actually volunteered a few weeks of my time in the beginning just to prove the fact that I kind of knew what I was doing. Nice. And, uh, th- that's one of those steps that I think a lot of people have to do to get into the industry. It's not always, um, not always the case. Some people who go through Davis program or whatever, yeah. they'll get into, like, they could start at Coors and, Okay. So like that, and those people are going to be much more able to pay someone to right. pull out the grain out of the mash and stuff like that. But uh, okay. but a lot of the smaller ones is not necessarily as uh, viable to do that sort of thing. So did you work at any breweries before EJ Fair? Then no, that was actually my first brewery. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So were you brewing on a large volume like EJ Fair before you started with them, or is that is that the first time you brewed that volume of beer also? Um, I, definitely. I never brewed that volume before at home, but I would try and keep, when I decided to become a brewer, I went out and bought a whole bunch of carboys mm-hmm. and started to try and repitch my yeast and to keep 
fermenters rolling and brewing like two, three times a week. Gotcha. And try wow. and get up on pace with what a brewery would do. So when I got into it, yeah, it wouldn't be too much of a shock. Okay. But, uh, yeah. So uh, that that's interesting to me actually to find out then what was a, a shock to you. Uh, what's different about going from home brewing to now all of a sudden? Okay. So what you were brewing? How many gallons at home at a time? I was doing five gallons at a time at home, actually. But just a couple of times a week you're doing exactly, five gallons. Yeah. Okay. So when you stepped into EJ Fair, how many gallons are you doing now when you brew a batch? Um, well, right now we're doing approximately 500 gallons a batch. When I first started, we were doing about 250 gallons a batch. A batch. So tell yeah. me what was a, you know, what was a big difference? Like what did you have to adjust to in, in going from five gallons to 250 gallons? Well, you know, at first it definitely, you hit your psyche at first. You're thinking all oh, this beer is going out to people. Who are gonna buy it? Yeah. To drink it, you know, and yeah. they're gonna want, you know, you have all this pressure on you, and then you also have the pressure where, like at home, if you have five gallons of beer that went bad, I don't know what it costs anymore to brew five gallons at a home brew shop, but at the time it was twenty to thirty dollars. Still the same. same for, yeah. uh, still the same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah twenty five, twenty to thirty dollars a batch. Okay. That would be just gone, you know, and you could absorb that in your own personal finances and be like, man. Yeah. But then when you get into more of commercial brewing, then you have 250 gallons that you were hoping to be able to pay your PG&E bill with. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, when that you when you turn the 250 into 1000, then you can pay your PG&E and yeah. your rent and yeah. and when something would go wrong with that, then you realize that wow, you can't make mistakes at that point. And now, did you ever screw up a 250 gallon batch? Uh yeah, I have actually. I've actually to the point. I mean, I don't admit it. I don't like to admit it, but uh, well, you're not perfect. You know, but what did you no. do wrong? Um, I've done several things wrong. Uh, I've I've ruined several batches actually in my career of brewing. Now, when we say yeah. ruin, are we saying like you you had to dump out 250 gallons of beer, or or at, at least I guess that you couldn't sell all 250 gallons, or what? I've actually accidentally dumped out 250 gallons of of wort. That was really getting ready to be transferred to the fermenter. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. Oh, that that was chaos or madness. Madness. Yeah. Yes. Was yeah. that an uh, alcohol-related accident? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It was just me not keeping up on my hose clamps. Oh, okay. So yeah, if you put a pump on a kettle, yeah, and then pull the hose off the end of the pump and just plug it in, uh huh, it'll go really fast. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where did the 250 gallons go? Um, well, fortunately, we have floor drains, uh-huh. so it went down the drains of the into gotcha. the floor. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, was there a talk of of you getting canned after that? <laughs> you know, I was actually really nervous. Uh, really, I called the owner. I was pretty nervous about it. And uh-huh. Unfortunately, I got his voicemail. Oh, nice. So I told him on the voicemail, and then five minutes later, he called me back without checking his voicemail and uh-huh. asked me what the call was about. So I had to retell him. Yeah, you know? he took it a lot better than I took it. <laughs> I really? He said, well, get ready to brew another batch of medicine tomorrow. You know? Wow! Yeah. Wow! So. That's funny. Yeah. Double time. See, Johnny, my star sand story's not so bad yeah. right now. Yours was twenty bucks. His was a lot more. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Did you tell Morgan about my star sand beer? Yeah, I think I did. I'm yeah. not sure. The you half. might want to refresh my memory. I'll just I'll give the short version in case anybody was listening last week and doesn't want to hear the story again. I wasn't paying too much attention. I had a lot of things on my mind. I was working on the brewing network at the same time as I was brewing. Um, so I'm running in from the studio to my brew setup and. Uh, just doing a bunch of things. And my process is to, uh, as I'm chilling my wort, I fill up my carboy half full of star sand to sanitize it. I leave it in there. Then I dump it out, and then I transfer my wort to the carboy. Well, I 
I just apparently transferred my work to the carboy without dumping out the half full of star sand. <laughs> and I didn't realize because, you know, the funnel, like when you're pouring into the funnel, you can't see the carboy. And, and so clear. all I see is the funnel. And uh, I didn't even know that I had done it until all my work was in there and the carboy is actually overflowing with, with star sand. And I was like, how could it be overflowing? I've got about three and a half gallons of wort here and I'm throwing it into a seven gallon carboy. Well, how many beers do you have is my question. That's the thing. <laughs> well, I probably honest. had a couple. Come on, be honest. I'm trying to think no more than your average night. Okay. Were which there is, people over here? Were which you is, busy? No, no. Oh, okay. I was busy doing other work. There wasn't people distracting me. My my mind was busy. That's You're all. Multitasking. Those are all good yeah. questions, but uh, my question is how to turn out. <laughs> well, that's we discussed that last week too. Is whether or not I should have saved it. Sure. I stood there for five minutes staring at it in awe, I, and I'm talking kettle still in hand. <laughs> like I didn't even move. I just looked at what I had done, called myself several names, and uh, then I dumped it in the backyard. I gave it to my plants because I just was like, you can't drink that. And and, and is the yeast even going to live through a, a sanitizer? You know, be tweaked. Okay. And it, you know, I was really happy with the beer up to that point. I, uh, my process was going very smooth. I was yeah. Uh, obviously, you were paying a lot of attention to it, so <laughs> you knew it was going to be dialed in. Yeah, it was going to be really good. <laughs> yeah, no, I was. Uh, yeah. Anyway, hey, five gallons, Morgan. It wasn't two fifty. Yeah, at, at least you still had uh, three hundred, three and a half. You yeah. Know? The only boss I had to call was my girlfriend. Yeah. Just, to, you know, which is that's I just, well, that could be just as bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, really, it was more of whether or not I wanted her to laugh at me and call me an idiot after I had already done the I, same thing to I myself. I called you an idiot. Oh yeah. Uh, John's the first person I called, and I was like, uh, I don't really know why I'm calling you to tell you this because I'd rather you didn't know, but I just you're have really to. tactful how you <laughs> yeah. you worded it too, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, definitely learned not to make fun of other brewers' mistakes because uh, oh, you're yeah. bound to make them yourself. Oh, then. yeah. I Absolutely. caught myself on fire once. Nice. I had a rag in my pocket here with these pants that I'm wearing right now. Really? Turned around, had a sip of my beer. Caught that sucker on fire. Huh? <laughs> wow. Fire. Nice work. Yeah, okay. I don't know. You should teach the people in this studio that philosophy of not making fun of other brewers' mistakes because they made fun of me last week. It happens. Week. Every brewer's had to screw up at least once. Yeah, but every time we talk about my beer now, it's, oh, how's your star sand beer? Well, Where's you, you your set star- yourself up for that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally did. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay, now I want to know a little bit about EJ Fair then. Uh, well, actually, you know more. what? I got an, uh, My question is it's... In any other industry, and particularly particularly radio and 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 beer too, usually you gotta start somewhere. Like you gotta start at the bottom. You seem to have skipped the whole middle step, Morgan. You went from from brewing at home as much as you could to brewing for a, a craft commercial brewery. Correct? Sure. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's not like I went to start and I was a head brewer at Sierra Nevada or anything like that. Right. I, the company was very small, so okay. I did start with scrubbing floor drains and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. doing all the kegging and just doing a lot of the grunt work, and I still do a lot of the grunt work at this point. Okay. But uh, so, how did you get the gig though? Uh, JJ is the is is the owner of EJ mm-hmm. Fair. Okay. Yeah. So uh, JJ, who couldn't be with us today, um, although who's a uh, and and I've, I've known him for a while too. John and I used to uh, play shows from. He used to put on parties outside Those of the summer of the brewery parties, and we, yeah. our band would play and stuff. Cool guy. Uh, anyway. Uh, so, so JJ's there, and and how do you even get in on the gig? Like, how does it end up being that hey, hey, I'm a home brewer, and I I can brew good beer. I'd like to come and brew for you. What happened? 
Uh, I just never went away, actually. He was the first brewery that didn't say, like, hey, you need to leave. Really? Now. How yeah, did you meet him? Did you meet security. him at the brewery? Yeah, I just went to the brewery. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Started talking to him and just kept on coming back every day. Really? Yeah. You kind of strike me. How many days until you got hired? Uh, I don't remember, actually. I don't remember. Probably persistent. Five, six days, probably. And you never got, uh, did he ever give you that, you know, you you should leave today? (laughs) No, he never did, because I was always, you know, kind of trying to give as much of a helping hand as possible. He says that he hired me because I was wearing a Hawaiian shirt and... Uh-huh. People who wear Hawaiian shirts got to be all right. Got to make good beer. I brought samples of my homebrew as much as I could. Okay. And then actually what I feel probably got me the job was um, as brewing there was uh, JJ is a pretty tall guy. Yeah. And, and being so tall, he weighs even more than I do. Okay. So he's like 6'8", 270 pounds or whatever. Wow. And he's he double playing, my height. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's huge. Wow. So uh, he was playing indoor soccer, and he broke his uh, foot. Or maybe it was outdoor. I don't remember. But uh, broke his foot. Yeah. And he wasn't able to climb up the ladders and down the ladders and do all the physical work of brewing. So I just kind of took that part over. Okay. So oh, that's, that's awesome. kind of how I got involved with that. So you were annoying, and then you were at the right exactly. place at the right time. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So a word to the wise, you homebrewers out there. Persistence, annoyance. Yeah, it pays to be persistent. Good beer. And to brew good beer. I guess the, that your homebrews you were bringing weren't, that weren't half bad. So Yeah, you know, you guys say persistence and annoyance. I just think, again, I go back to patience. I mean, you can yeah. just be patient. Yeah, that's a nice way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> that does make good beer, though. Yeah. I got a couple questions from the chat room. Sure. Uh, I was going to get into your equipment later, but, uh, well, yeah. your, your brewery's equipment anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys use for a mash tun? Uh, our mash tun's actually a combi tank right now. Mm-hmm. It's a 15 barrel mash tun, specific mechanical. Mash on top, obviously, and then there's a whirlpool on the bottom. A little bit different than a lot of the combi tanks out there. I don't use my whirlpool yet because it's a little bit smaller volume than what my final runoffs are. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually not 100% happy with my mash tun. Really? I still I have a twenty barrel boil kettle. What's the problem with your mash tun? Uh, I, it's undersized as compared to my boil kettle. So if I had a larger yeah. mash tun, I could have twenty barrels of brew at a time. Right. And then I'd end up with a, a larger final volume, which would be a lot nicer for me. Gotcha. Well, but only by five gallons. Pardon? Only by five gallons. Uh, by five barrels. Five. Yeah. I'm sorry. Five barrels. Sure. By five sure. barrels. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But when you think if I'm doing 15 barrels and I can do 20, yeah, that's that's a decent increase if you're taking the same exact time to do it. Basically. Yeah, that's true. Except transfer rates. Yeah. What would be the point of the whirlpool? I don't. I'm not sure. I understand that concept. Well, I would love to have a separate whirlpool also because what you would do is say if I'm doing 20 barrels per batch, yeah, and I have a 40 barrel fermenter, I'm yeah. going to want to fill that fermenter up in one day. So where home brewing, you can do an all grain batch of beer. Five or ten gallons, and you can do it in seven to eight hours. Yeah. Where with a commercial batch, it takes much longer to transfer that size of volume. So gotcha. To move five hundred gallons to, from one kettle to another it takes a lot longer. Okay. Your runoff is longer. Your transfer to your fermenter is longer. Okay. Everything's longer. How long is your sparge so, to your boil? Uh, my sparge is about two hours right now. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Hour and forty-five minutes to two hours. So you would whirlpool. To to save it to to take care of the wort while you're sparging is that well yeah it's a good thing getting back onto the on on your question you would take your after you're done boiling you would then transfer directly out of your boil kettle to your whirlpool yeah okay and run it through the whirlpool and now your boil kettle's open 
So now you can run off your second batch. Ah, okay. So your second 20 barrels, you can start running off as soon as your boil's done. Yeah. Instead of waiting for it to transfer all the way to the fermenter, clean it out, and then start running off. So it saves you, you know, at that point, a good three hours of time. Okay. So so that's why you'd want a whirlpool if you're going to be doing multiple batches per day. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. Someone wants to know how many gallons you've uh, brewed over time. Would you be able to say? Wow. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I maybe no you could idea. say. Maybe you could yeah. say barrels. Could you estimate how many barrels um, you brewed? Not necessarily. I mean, I keep records of each individual batch that I make, but I don't really number them. Okay. I'm guessing I've probably done five to six hundred batches um, on the commercial scale, anywhere between two hundred fifty and five hundred gallons apiece. Okay. And then I've probably made four, three to four hundred batches uh, home brewing. Okay. At five gallons a piece. So, um, however many that equals out, that's about how many gallons I've done. Okay. So how yeah. many gallons in a barrel? Are you uh, counting? There's 31 gallons in a in the okay. U.S. barrel. Yeah. Clarify Are you counting that. the 250 uh, that you dumped out? I actually subtracted that out before <laughs> I put that into the mix. Yeah. See, I got to get yeah. in on this yeah, pun because you guys got in on me. Now yeah. I got to use it. Oh, you know? I hope I never because, screw up. <laughs> because I gave my good story. Nobody else wanted to give a good uh, <laughs> screw up story. Thank you, Morgan, definitely. for coming in here yeah, and, and being a little He's honest. He's an honest guy. That's right. And I appreciate that. Um, the price you have to pay is that I get to make fun of you for the show. Forever. <laughs> Whatever. You know, I, I'm not under any contract to stay the whole time anyway. So that's true. That's absolutely true. Somebody <laughs> wants to know that if I. If I had reboiled my wort, would the star sand have evaporated? It's interesting. Maybe because there's acid in it. Star sand has phosphoric acid, yeah. which like uh, which evaporates or does not evaporate. I mean, you'd have to find out the evaporation rate of it. Yeah. I'm not so sure about that. I use uh, parasitic acid myself to sanitize, so I'm not quite uh-huh. sure about phosphoric. But uh, my guess would be that if I if I could boil it long enough to evaporate the star sand, it was going to be a pretty cooked taste in beer. Be very caramelized, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Very sweet. That's a good question. I should have done that. That is a good one. Why yeah. would it have been sweet and caramelized and cooked? Well, you'd have boiled it once. Then you'd have oh, to reboil gotcha, it. It would have gotcha. been a reboil, exactly. Well, it would have been reboiled, but it would have been watered down so much. That it would have <laughs> <been> <laughs> yeah, that's you know, I think, yeah. That's true. Possibly. All right, I'm not sure. Is it rice holes? Is that the word? Do yeah, you rice use, holes. Yeah. Okay, do you use rice holes? You know what? I... When I started working there, we used rice holes on our wheat beer. Can you start? I should, I'm sorry. What I should have started. Rice yeah. Holes? Tell me and, okay. and listeners who don't know, what's a rice hole? Well, a rice hole is like you have barley, which has a hole on it. And then you have rice also has a hole on They'll extract that hole off of the rice. And you can stir it into your mash when you're doing like a wheat beer. Okay. Or a rye or a spelt or some type of adjunct or non-barley type material that you're putting into your mash that isn't going to have a hole on it that may... Stick your mash. Okay. Um, I I don't necessarily use them. I can't remember exactly why I decided not to use them, but I decided one time not to try it, and I didn't have a problem with my runoff. Um, I'm pretty particular about my crack, so I think that might have something to do about with it. You know, it's not all flour. Yeah. But I think if you are cracked, if your grains crack correctly then the use of rice holes isn't necessarily imperative. Okay. It might help you. If you just want a guaranteed, easy-flowing mash, then go ahead and give them a try. But uh, Your sparge is pretty long already. I mm-hmm. mean, And you've, you've talked about you want to reduce the time of it. Have you thought about adding rice holes since you do a pretty thin mill already? You know what I actually started doing? Um, I was given this idea actually from a home brewer. And it was an idea I'd never heard of. It's called a swan arm. 
And it's taking the runoff from the bottom of the mash and bringing it back up towards the top of the mash and then letting it siphon from there. And supposedly it causes less pressure on your mash, less hydrostatic pressure on it. It makes sense when it's explained to me, but when I sit there and think about it, it doesn't make any sense. Hmm. So, you know, I'm not really too worried about it. But I've done it, and I've noticed a much easier runoff. I actually have a sight gauge on my mash tun, and before I would open up my sight gauge, a valve on it, and it would start sucking air down through the sight gauge hmm. and bubble up and ruin my, my clarity of my, my wort. And ever since I started doing the swan arm, I can actually open up the sight gauge, and it works so I know I have less pressure on it, which is right. not necessarily a bad thing. So gotcha. Yeah, that speeds up your process. It does actually. And it, How it, much time? Um, it it all depends on. I mean, your all batch. kinds of stuff. I've yeah. only done seventeen batches on my new system. Actually, I okay. just put in a new system. Hmm. So I just did number sixteen and seventeen on Friday, and uh, had no troubles on my runoff. But I was using the Swan Arm, and I also just dialed in my crack. So. I like it when I dial in my crack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it you do. Uh, makes for a much better week, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Just get things all lined up, you know. I got a few more questions here. What type of styles do you brew? Uh, styles you- of beer total? Total, or? yeah. Well, I have an alehouse. We just opened up an alehouse, okay. a brewery did. And there's 14 different beers that I've had on tap there. Um, so what, are your, what are your four, like, best sellers? Or your what are your four favorites to brew for that matter? My four favorites to brew? Yeah. Um I enjoy brewing the fat quail just because of the smell, along with the Meritzen actually. The Meritzen is a nice malty beer that just smells unlike any other beer when mm. I'm brewing it. So I love that one. Hmm. Um I enjoy brewing my alehouse IPA because I have eight hop additions. Which is great by so the way. So it's like an yeah, I enjoy it. I love just overloading every I do mash hopping Whirlpool, pre, nice. or, you know, first wort hopping, do all, anywhere I can put hops, I do that. And I, I don't overdo it, I don't feel. But I, I do a little bit everywhere I can, so. Very nice. See, yeah. I'm, I'm that way too. I'm, I'm hops everywhere. The IPA, I'm gonna have you taste when we come back, mm-hmm. uh, and evaluate and give our brewers some tips. Uh, I hop the hell out of it. Nice. So, what uh, do you think of it? I, think it I like it, okay. but I also know that there's plenty wrong with it. And I'm gonna talk when I I'll set it up when we come back. Uh, I'm gonna talk about all the things I did wrong. I know that I did a lot of things wrong, uh, especially as far as fermentation goes. So that's what I want to talk about, and I want to give some brewers some tips about some how it could have been better and some not to dos and what I should have done to make it better. Because I actually I don't think it's a bad beer. I think it's a good beer, but I think there was a ton of things that I could have changed about it, which would be awesome for the listeners to hear and and get so to know about their own. We'll Before I taste it and. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, break your uh, your uh, pride on it. Right. I just have to say that anybody can throw a lot of hops into a beer. Right. But it's balance is really what it's all about. Oh, so there's zero balance. With that said, then I don't even have to say that after I tasted it, so I won't even hurt your feelings or anything. Oh no, and, and I told I, I was tell I was trying to tell Morg before the show. Uh, I'm not one of the and I talk about this a lot about brewers who can't handle criticism of their beer. You could tell me you that you'd rather handle criticism. Yeah, yeah. That's you could how you honestly, a good you could honestly tell me that you'd rather drink a glass of urine than my beer, and it wouldn't bother me a bit. Right. If I can drink it, 
I'm fine with it, and I can take all the criticism that there is about it. I would be it. upset with you if you handed me a glass of beer that I think uh, that you'd think ra- I would rather drink a glass of urine instead <laughs> yeah, of. It's if not that. If you're setting me up, bad. I'd rather not have a part of it. The thing is, is that I'm confident enough about uh, my skills and my lack thereof that uh, I don't have a problem with any criticism, criticism whatsoever. Oh. So that being said, I like the beer. However, there is zero balance of hops whatsoever. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I can accept that. Can accept so, and I got no, uh, I'm wide open about that. I got a few things here going on in the chat room I want to get to. Then we're going to take just a, a real short break, and then we're going to give some stuff away when we come back. Um, here's just a little Father's Day uh, wish from somebody. It's, it's, it's a little bit of advice, and it's how uh, people get rid of their bad batches, which is, uh, which is good to know. Uh, you feed them to your stepsons and make them believe it's just a special style. <laughs> That's a good dad. Which, which is really good. Yeah, you, you feed it to people who don't know about beer, like your stepson. Yeah, they'll you drink anything. Say like, oh well, college. I mean, <clears throat> that's actually a Hoosier style. And uh, <laughs> if you go to Hoosier and you try their beer there, it tastes just like that. <laughs> so that's one way to get rid of bad batches and a little happy Father's Day. Um, I got an off-topic question. I'm going to get to that later. Um, do you dry hop with pellets or whole hops, Morg? Um, I personally, on the commercial level, do with whole hops. Okay. At my house, I do it with pellets. Do it with pellets, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I dry just hop pour the pellets. pellets straight into my fermenter, actually. Okay. No secondary. You're, you're... I just wait for Krausen to drop, and then I pour hops into it, okay. and then I wait full two weeks, transfer. Gotcha. And good to go at that point. But, okay. But uh, commercially, I wait, drop temperature, transfer it to secondary, add whole hops. Okay. It takes about seven days. Um, both end up pretty close to the same you do yeah. seven days dry hop seven and anywhere up I, I would love to have 21 days i mean mm. interesting but i, I seven just days did a, a close to a 20 day dry hop. that's too yeah. long no it's not okay i love you morgan <laughs> well <laughs> Vinny I mean, from Vinny nice from Russian you. just did a, did a speech about dry hopping mm-hmm. and he actually had th- four different beers a five a seven a nine and a 14 day and they were completely different no okay. same wort same hops yeah but Okay. They end up differently. Totally. Yeah. yeah. But, but you're yeah. saying, John, that the 14 Seven to was, nine days was good. And on, the 14 was on bad. On that exact beer with on that, that type beer. of hop. I guess it depends on your wort and your beer that you brew. Yeah. And the type of hop you're using and what temperature you're doing it at. Sure. And is he it does a warm to dry hop 68 to 72. How what tight was? are the hops? Because maybe the it takes he a put, while for the beer to soak into it. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Yeah, There's true. all kinds of different, you know, variables. How much do you dry hop in the 500 barrel batch? Um... Average would be about nine pounds. Nine pounds. That would be average. I mean, I do some less, some more. Do you ever do different types of hops, like on a certain period, like after five days, do like a cascade, ten days, maybe do a centennial? You know, that would be a great thing to do. Unfortunately, I'd put it into my cold storage tank, pressurize with CO2, push the beer into it, and I don't open it up after that. So you dry hop in your fermenter? In my cold storage tank. But that's cold. Correct. See, Vinny was talking about dry hopping warm because sure. you have fermentation and you have, if you have no yeast in there, then you have like this, well, it's cleaner and then you're able, like the yeast are able to eat out the hops. Mm-hmm. It, you get more aroma, but there's less, de- less yeast in there, I guess I should say. And you get more hop aroma out of a warmer temperature and colder, you would not. Possibly, but alcohol still breaks down the oils of the hop. Okay. So you still would get that to go into solution. So there's many different Procedures. Vinny from Russian River sure. does it his way. I do it my way. Um, I did I'm it my sure way, by it, the and, way. Yeah, Justin I, does it his way. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> I'm sure if you go down to El Toro, <laughs> yeah, that guy, his El Toro IPA, excellent. 
excellent. You can totally tell it's dry hopped. As it's being poured out of the faucet 10 feet away. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. What does dry hopping cold do for your beer, you think? Since everybody has a different process, sure. I, I want to know your process. That's the easiest place for me to put it in. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That See? Makes, that makes sense. And that, that fits with my brewing style, too. And it works. Right? Like, so. I like this idea that at home, you don't even secondary. You throw it into your fermenter when you dry sure. hop. And that's See? what I do at home also. Yeah. Then that's, now, to me, I just changed my process right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause, yes, you did. Because now I don't got a secondary. I can throw it into my fermenter, and then all I got to do is keg it, right? Well, you yeah, pretty much. If I, I didn't, if I don't mind a little chunky beer. I would normally put my fermenter into a cold location and, mm-hmm. and chill it down mm-hmm. and uh, then transfer into a keg. But you're not even it, taking it off your little yeast bed at the bottom when you're dropping the hops in there. You're just not at all, them. no. Yeah, I'm doing it during fermentation at home. Yeah, see, mm-hmm. now we're talking. But now that's because it easy. doesn't, you know. You don't have the cold storage at home. I got another yeah. question from okay. the chat room. Can dry hopping contaminate your beer? Um, Whole hops, possibly. Whole or maybe even pellet. I mean, because like it depends on how you store your pellets. Mm-hmm. I know I get them in forty-four pound boxes, and mm-hmm. you're pouring hops into there, so your hands reaching in there. Yeah, hops they naturally uh, inhibit bacterial growth. Okay, but you know if you wipe your nose and then grab a bunch of hops and yeah, you know, which you don't do, right? I've never done that before. No. <laughs> okay, but if you did do that, then uh-huh. you would have some issues. I think absolutely on the homebrewing level, the issue with whole hops. Is if you put in a bag, they'll swell up, but you'll get a dry spot in the center, right. potentially, in theory. And then you're not getting full use Well, something of your... can grow in that dry spot ah, okay. and get to your beer. Okay. But people do it, and the beer turns out fine. It turns yeah. out fine. Yeah. Okay. So it's a hit or miss. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that mine was contaminated with, with wild yeast because when I put when I dry hopped, I was talking to you about this before the show, Morgan. When I dry hopped, it appeared that it was fermenting again, mm-hmm. and I thought that it was either the yeast eating the hops or, or wild yeast in there is what Dr. Scott said might have happened because hops could have could could easily have wild yeast on them from being out in the field. Um, but Morgan explained to me that it was probably more of a CO2 release type of thing than it was an actual fermentation again, correct? If it if it subsided and your gravity didn't drop anymore after you pitched in your hops, then I, I would say that it was not a contamination. Okay. Yeah. I got a question about your method of uh, dry hopping during fermentation. Uh, this is, I've heard don't dry hop during fermentation... Uh, it's from the chat room because the CO2 takes the hop flavor away, and he's asking if that's true. Yeah, I think it can definitely scrub out CO2. Okay. I also think that a lot of times when it says not to do it, it's because if they um, advocate doing that, you can actually get your hops stuck in your airlock and shoot your airlock out. So, I mean, it's something uh, you definitely have okay. to understand what's going on with at what stage you're doing it. I always do it after the corrosion's dropped, and, and I keep an eye on it and stuff like that. So I don't do it necessarily during vigorous fermentation, but so I, I'm not getting a whole lot of CO2 blow off. But okay. at the same time, I do it towards the end of fermentation, you know, where you're getting a good week on it, hmm. and then uh, then I would transfer normally at home. For so home from brewing. a home brewer level, do it at, do it in the secondary then? Um, Recommended? I would do it during secondary fermentation, but I normally wouldn't even would transfer you rack? to a secondary. Oh, really? You still no. leave on the east bed? I would normally transfer within, I would transfer it two weeks, 14 days at home. Okay. And I would not bring it off its lees or it, the yeast. So you do one week primary, second week, still in the primary with a dry hop, and then secondary, third week? Uh, it, it depends on the yeast that you're using and stuff like that, but sure, yeah. Okay. Interesting. 
By the way, I'm pouring a beer and operating the radio station at the that's same time. Let's so, give a round of applause. Yeah, that's right. Morgan, you might be able to brew 250 gallons at a time, but uh, you try this over here, yeah, buddy. not bad. I He's think there's actually something on the label. It says not to do that. That's right. Yeah. Government That's warning. It. Yeah. yeah. It's the equivalent of drinking while you're pregnant. Yeah. Uh, lots of bad things can happen. Yeah. Keep I can that have, away from the mixer. Bad defects. Yeah, we've already... Uh, we've we have two Kubars. We have here. a couple mixers in our studio. We've dumped some beer on them twice. Although, I'll tell you what, they're good German mixers. Yes. And uh, would we have anything else on the Brewing no. Network? Oh, uh, and they've both withstood beer dumping. I think they actually test for that in the uh, mixer studios I would. in Germany. That's a German-style beer you're drinking right now, so it's mm. compatible. It's good beer. It's at EJ yeah. Fair Pilsner. All right, we're going to take a little break. We're actually running a little short on time. We're going to come back. We're going to start the mashing discussion. This will be fun. And uh, I'm just going to give something away. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to give it away. So wait till we come back, and then you're going to call in. It's 888-401-BEER. That's your number to call. Um, if that number doesn't work, if you're not in our country and you wanted to call international, you could call 925 691 no, six nine one five five eight nine. You can still call the number. You no, you can't. It's just not toll free. Daniela says you could still call the toll free number. It just—I don't know if that's true though. If it doesn't work, it's six nine one five five eight nine. Call eight 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 four zero one. Beer. beer. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give away a $20 gift certificate to Beer, Beer, and More Beer. doesn't matter where you live because you can go to morebeer.com and order from them with the gift certificate. I like Morgan's idea. I'm going to go across between my idea and Morgan's idea. So here's what the winner is going to get. You have to be a father. If you have a dog, I'll accept it. But I'd rather it be that you have kids. And uh, and I want to know your kids' names and their ages. Uh, it'd be funny if you didn't know their ages, because that would mean you're a good brewer and you pay more attention to your beer <laughs> than to your kids. And uh, that would be fine by me. And you have to have a bunch of beers brewing at once. And by a bunch, I mean at least three. I want at least three beers fermenting at one time. So I'm being strict this week, guys. But uh, I think there's somebody out there doing it. I'm hoping I want to hear from some of them Australians who saved yeah. our ass last week on the archive. Yes, thank They're you. They're awesome. We Doc, love you guys. Right? Uh, yeah, it was Doc from Australia. Uh, oh, and they want some homebrew clone recipes out of you, Morg. They our brewers love the clones. So uh, maybe when Bail. we get back, I don't know if you're going to yeah. give us one or not. There's actually a couple of them there at morebeer.com. Okay. Yeah. The fa- uh, oh, that's right. You can buy the package right Backwell, there. Backwell, and I believe coming up soon is the rye. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we'll Which give some away too. All right. So it's eight 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 four zero one beer. I want you to be a dad, and I want you to have a bunch of beer brewing. And uh, call in, say hello to the kids. Uh, we're gonna take a short break. We're gonna refill our beer. We're gonna wipe off the sweat. And we're gonna come back and do some good stuff. We're gonna talk about mashing, and you're gonna learn all about the best ways to mash and some good mash techniques, right, John? Uh, of course. All right. We'll be right back. It's the Brewing Network, and you're listening to our live show. You're listening to a bunch of guys talk about beer. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. That's right. And what more could you ask for than a bunch of guys talking about beer? <laughs> All right. We have a winner to our contest already. Woo-hoo. That's uh, that's awesome. I was hoping we'd get a good dad calling in here. So he's on the phone. Let me get him on here. Hang on one second. Okay. There we go. Hello. You're on the air. Hi there. 
Who are we talking to? Are you talking to Wayne? Wayne. Yeah. All right. How you doing, Wayne? Real good. What are you drinking? Uh, tonight I'm drinking a uh, rye cream ale. Oh. Whoa. Nice. That's you a bre- very interesting beer. Did you brew it? Uh, yeah. That's an experiment, experiment I did. Okay. I did three cream ales with, diff- with some, a different grain in each one. So I did this one with some rye, did one with some Munich, and one with some crystal. Wow. And that's all you changed? Yeah, that's all I changed in the three. Same yeast, same base malt, but... Yep. Interesting. Same ba- repitched on the same yeast, so... Oh, nice. Are you happy with the outcome of this one? Oh, I haven't really done the full comparison. I This is the first of the three that's ready to drink, so I've got to wait till the other three get ready before I compare them all. Okay. But I really like this rye. <laughs> all right. That sounds good, actually. Yeah, rye cream ale. Getting thirsty over here. You make a good rye beer. Morgan does? Morgan does, yeah. Yeah, I enjoy the rye. It definitely adds a nice little spice, so I could see that complementing a cream pretty interestingly, but I think pretty well. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's well, a good uh, hot weather drink. Yeah. What, what's the color of that beer? Uh, it's a... Uh, it looks a lot like a, a just a light, light pale ale. Oh, nice. All it's right. A, nice. Are you drinking out of a bottle or you got that on tap? Oh, I've got it on tap. Yeah. yeah. See? Well done. Yeah, I love that. I love how he answers me like I'm an idiot. Cause yeah. that, you know, <laughs> you, you set your, you got ass. <laughs> no, cause I agree with you, Wayne. Once you, once you, you go to, to, to keg yeah. and beer, it's, you can't go back to See, bottles, I feel like a you? sucker right now drinking my Pilsner out of a bottle, yeah, but, a bottle, uh, yeah. I'm traveling, so what are you gonna do? That's your excuse for yeah. today. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Wayne, you're our winner today, but I got a couple questions for you. Sure. So are you a father? Yes, I am. Happy Father's Day. Well, thank you. How many children? Yeah. Uh, just one. Okay. One. Okay. And how old is that kid now? Uh, my daughter is 11. 11. She'll turn 12 here in a couple of weeks. Okay. Does, Where, she, does she like your beer? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, she likes to help uh, run the mill. Cool. And she'll taste the wort before I pitch yeast to it, and she's usually right on when she says whether it's going to be good or bad. Oh, nice. awesome. But you won't touch it after it's got alcohol. Okay. Yeah. All right. Give her five years. A few Nine. years from now, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she'll make a good brew wife someday. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well done. Where are you guys located? I'm here in Ashland, Nebraska. Nebraska, all right. How'd you hear about the Brewing Network? Oh, I saw something on one of the boards on the Internet. Okay. A little forum right. post? Cool. cool. Okay, my other question is, how many beers do you have fermenting right now? Okay, I've got a Bohemian Pilsner. All right. That's uh, just now ready to be kegged. I'll probably do that in the next day or so. Okay. I have a Saison, which is uh, aging. It'll be ready to be bottled here in another week or so. Okay. And then I've got a uh, got an ESB in primary right now. Nice. That's three beers we got going on. Yeah, I've got a hard cider going. And a hard oh, cider. Nice. Bonus. Right. Bonus. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, that was the bonus drink. The hard. You get cider. priority mail for that. Now, are you a hard cider drinker? Or you brewed that for somebody else. Um, I've just never brewed a hard cider before, and I've got some friends that like hard cider, so I figured, oh, what the heck? All right. Cool. Well, I'll tell you what, you fit all the requirements. You have a kid, so we were able to say Happy Father's Day, and you got at least three beers fermenting, plus the bonus cider. And I'm impressed, Wayne. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) So we're going to give you $20 uh, to spend at morebeer.com. 
uh, we're going to send you a, we'll, we'll get you back over to Danielle and she'll set you up with all the information, but you get to spend 20 bucks on us at, uh, morebeer.com. Okay. Hopefully, appreciate brew, that. Hopefully, brew another batch or something with us. Uh, feel free to keep us up to date if you want to either call back or just send us an email of, of what you got with it. We always like to hear that. Okay, that's, I'll do that. That's good information. Cheers, Wayne. All right, Wayne. Anything you want us to uh, talk about in the show for you? Got any questions that we need to answer for the rest of the time we're here? Or are you doing all right? Uh, I seem to be doing okay right now. All right, cool. I'm glad that you're listening, and thanks for yeah. tuning in. I do like your website. I was on there posting. On a couple of topics today. Oh, cool. Yep. That's that's great. Actually, our, our forum's been great to us and lots of good response out of there. So thank you for participating. Mm-hmm. All right. Enjoy your 20 bucks, and I hope you get some good beer out of it. Okay. Thanks All right. a lot. Don't hang up. Hang on one second, Wayne. All right. See you, Wayne. All right, there we go. We got to give away our 20 bucks to a dad on Father's Day. In Nebraska. That's really all I was looking to do. That's great. Cool. You know what would happen if guy. my dad called up? Hey, your T1 line is horrible. Yeah, I told him to piss off. <laughs> like, hey, Dad, go uh, sell some bandwidth. To I don't even yeah. know what a T1 line is, so uh, I have to agree with him. <laughs> okay. I can't believe this. Not yeah, bad. I love airing out dirty laundry on the air sometimes. It's just fun. Yeah, got to let it go. No, I called both of my dads. Which uh, is a telltale sign right there. <laughs> I called both of my dads to say happy uh, happy birthday and happy Father's Day today. You know, I do have to say this is a wonderful trailer that we're doing this broadcast from. I appreciate, I appreciate the uh, hospitality. This is awesome. Wow. We need yeah. some cameras in here to try to prove that one wrong. I can't wait to jump back in the doughboy later on. Hey, anytime. My... Uh, my sister girlfriend will be happy to get you a towel when you're done. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, hey, I actually, just if I can take just one moment aside, uh, a very good friend of the Brewing Network, a good friend of mine, uh, is actually having his baby today. Uh, his wife's been pregnant for, oh, nine months or so. On and, Father's uh, <laughs> Day, too. That's awesome. Who's this? And, uh, it's, uh, his name is Mike Gorman. Mike and Heather Gorman. Mike, nice. Um, who are, who are just good friends. I just want to say congratulations and happy Father's Day, yeah. I guess, to wow. Mike Gorman for the first time. Yeah. So now he has to share his day with his kid for the rest of his life. <laughs> He's gonna love it. <laughs> but what can you do? Anyway, congratulations. And if there's any other, uh, shout outs that you want to say, uh, happy Father's Day to anybody, feel free to call in 888 Beer. Beer, beer, beer. Okay, beer. here's what we're going to do. I want to get into this mash discussion because we're running out of time and I'm going to sort of, we're going to do some mashing and we're going to do some EJ Fair all at the same time. Open talk. All, right. all right, so if you got mash questions for you all grainers out there, then feel free to post them in the chat room or call in. Uh, John, where are we starting? Okay, Morgan. Yes. What's the first thing you do before you dough in? Uh, the first thing I do is actually turn my hot water on. What, what temperature yeah. do you raise your hot water to? Uh, well, most of my beers are around 150, anywhere between 148 and 152. So I'll normally bring my temperature up to anywhere between 164 and 168. So that's your strike water. Yeah, I'm normally uh, yeah. Okay. Normally up about 16 degrees above, but uh, I mean your strike temp has to different. You have to differentiate it throughout the, the year, right? Because of your uh, temperature of your grain. Yeah, and there's ambient temperature too. Sure. Okay. Sure. So you have temperature loss once your water hits your grain. Exactly. And that's yeah. about what, 10 degrees? It depends on your system. I mean, that's the okay. great thing about mashing is, or great or unusual thing about it is that you're going to find more variation with what your strike temp should be, um, your duration of your mash, all that kind of stuff, depending on each system. I mean, each system is different, whether it's outside, inside, in the wind, not in the wind, 
um, where you store your grain, hmm. um, how long of a draw it is from your hot liquor tank or your water source to your uh, mash. I mean, all that is completely different. So, so you need to develop your own method based on all those things. Absolutely, I to mean, you keep need to, the the right temperature. I find, I mean, obviously, fermentation is the number one point that you need to 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 watch right. during brewing. anybody I mean, can make work so cleanliness and uh keeping an eye on temperature is number one but then after that your mash is really where you need to take the most notes okay. on your temperature differences and how your hoses are laid out how okay. your runoff was going how clear your ward is that i think that would be the second step that you'd want to look at okay now i'm an extract brewer so uh-huh. I, so what i want to know is what is the importance of temperature what is it that you're going for when you're adding the water to that mash there you know that, that the temperature is so important what's happening and what's coming out of there well certain temperatures actually uh, affect the mash Okay. Lower temperatures are like what? You mash what, 148 to 150? Uh, I do 148 to 152, basically, okay. depending on the thickness of the mash. And also. the lower the mash temp, more convertible sugars? To a certain extent. Okay. I mean, if you want to get your highest yield, like highest fermentability out of something, you want a nice thick mash, like 149. You're going to get the most fermentable sugars, period. But if you want to get your highest extract out of it, that's something different. Or maybe you're not brewing a beer that you necessarily want that, so now you're going to want a little bit of a higher temperature. So if you were doing a pale ale, would you mash at, what, 150? What type of pale ale Let's am say I an brewing? American pale ale. If I'm doing an simple. American pale ale, um, do I want it dry? Do I want it apricotty? Do I want it biscuity? Do I want it... Let's just say dry, for instance. If I want it dry, I would do a thick mash at like 149 degrees. Okay. And the interesting thing is, something that homebrewers... I think don't necessarily neglect, they just don't get the practice in, is um, at, at doing commercial brewing. I mean, I repeatedly do the same batches over and over and over again. Mm. And sometimes I will want 148 degrees for a mash temperature. And I'll hit 149 instead of 148. And decide, okay, let's just roll with this one. See what it does. Okay. And do everything else exactly the same. I mean, because okay. that's my job, to do everything the same all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, one degree has changed, and it'll be a completely different beer. I mean, you'll have a little bit more body to it, a little bit more sweetness. The bitterness is a little bit less cloying, possibly. I mean, there's a lot to do with it. So, I mean, a swing of one to two degrees actually does make a huge difference. It's amazing. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what does a higher temperature do in your mash? Um, well, if, if you were like 152 or 155. I think the best way to look at this is to look at it basically as two separate enzymes. That are doing their job. You have alpha and beta amylase, they're called. And they're two separate enzymes. You have the alpha amylase, which takes care of the lower temperature one, which is between like 142 and 150. You have another one called uh, the beta amylase, which is between around 149 or so up to 158. Right. And it may work even a little bit above that. It may work, you know. Each one of them has their own distinct little ways of working, but uh, the higher the temperature, when it breaks down the starches, it actually, instead of breaking it down into pieces where the yeast is able to metabolize much better level, it breaks it into ways where the yeast isn't able to metabolize at all. Hmm. So it ends up as a little bit of a thicker solution. But they're metabolizing sugar. Some of the sugar, correct, but it leaves some of it, too, at a higher temperature. Right. So you end up with a little bit more body, you end up with more sweetness, um... It's less fermentable, 
So your yeast isn't going to drop. It's not going to attenuate quite as much. Okay. That solution that you made, the wort. And you might even want that based on a certain style of beer. Exactly. Right. Or, you know, maybe even if you wanted to just put a little bit more mouthfeel or body into your beer, then you could raise your mash temp up a little bit and get that out of it. You'd end up with a slightly lower alcohol content. But, but, better, uh, but maybe some more body and mouthfeel. Yeah, it depends on what you're looking for, really. Okay. I mean, and you can, you can actually get mouthfeel and body on a lower mash temp too, like say if you're at 148, 149, 147, somewhere in that range. Okay. You can actually add Munich or Vienna. Ah, okay. And so end you're up changing your grain. Exactly. You yeah. can change your, what's called the malt bill to, and, and those grains actually will give you more or less fermentable sugars once they're converted. So. Okay. It, it's, it's definitely very much a variable depending on exactly what your recipe is. But. Okay. You know, it's a good starting point to think about temperature. The higher your temperature is between like 144 and 158, the higher your temperature, the more body and less attenuation your yeast is going to be able to provide. Okay. The lower, the more attenuation, less body, more fermentable, more alcohol. Interesting. A little bit thinner. Okay. But then you can also adjust your malt bill according to your mash temp. So you're definitely going by style then uh, because some beers you want more body and something, and others you want lighter. Sure. So you let's know, go for a Pilsner, for example. If we can just give yeah. a specific example, I think it's easier then to, to target sure. something. Uh, let's take your Pilsner that we're drinking right now. Mm-hmm. What would your it's tent be, be on something like that? Because it's a lighter-bodied beer. Sure. You do want some mouthfeel, but you don't want it to be thick. Yeah. So what Well, are you, you know, that's there? a good point because uh, I was actually just getting to the point where I, n- I don't necessarily brew exactly to style. Okay. Um, I've decided to brew beers that, that I think taste great. Okay. And I would not want to sell a beer that I don't think tastes great. You're an awesome person. Well, I mean, I try. Hallelujah. I know a lot of people prefer certain types of styles and, okay. and they want to stick exactly by guidelines. Sure. I, I don't necessarily choose to do that. Fair enough. Um, and then I try and pick a name that most suits that beer that I made. So a lot of people will give me a hard time about the Pelsner. Or, this and that because of the variation okay. of the beer. But uh, my Pilsner actually has 6.1% alcohol. Right. What, what is your base malt in that beer? Um, I actually use three different base malts in that beer. I use Pilsen malt, which is out of the Czech Republic. And then I also use a American Pale malt, and I also use an American Two-Row malt. And what do you think those three different base malts do for your beer? Um, the Pilsen malt gives it a little bit of a bread dough type flavor. Mm-hmm. Um Slightly biscuity in the finish. Uh, the two row and the pale are something that just became somewhat of a signature of VJ Fair. It's something we do on all of our beers. Okay. We split our base malt 50-50, two row and pale. We have some beers that we don't necessarily do that on, but. It's interesting that you, you know, say that after Lagunitas being in here last week because we, they said the same thing that, uh, and I wonder if a lot, of, I think we might find out over time as we have different craft brewers come in here that a lot of craft brewers find something that they develop as a signature of theirs and that they want in all their beers. Cause yeah, sure. uh, yeah, John's right. They put wheat in every beer they brew. Uh huh. And, and that's interesting. I do that, that home brewing. I don't do that at the ale house because. Okay. I've gotten a lot of emails from people, and I'm not knocking Lagunitas by any means. I love yeah. their beer. Yeah, me too. But I've gotten a lot of emails from people saying, which beers of yours can I drink? I'm allergic to wheat. Ah, right. And then I'm able As to provide I. them beers that they can drink that don't have wheat yeah. in them. 
I actually, and, uh, I have the same problem. Yeah. I love Lagunitas, uh-huh. and I think, I'm not positive, but I think I'm allergic to wheat also. Sure. But no, that's a good point that people want to, uh, yeah. you know, they want to know what they can drink without having that, any reaction. Yeah, and, but and I think actually, it's, go if, ahead. if you look at my beers, all my bottle product actually has ingredients on it. Mm. So if you're allergic to one of the ingredients, I mean, I don't put what's right. not on the ingredients list. So. Awesome. Yeah. I just think that's a really interesting concept that it seems, although it, it although it makes sense that a craft brewery sort of develops a personality mm-hmm. and 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 has cer- certain ingredients that are always in their beer. Well, they call it a house flavor, and okay. everyone wants their house flavor to be something besides the shape of their fermenter, yeah, or yeah. the way that they boil their wort. You know what I mean? That's, that makes sense. Yeah, everyone has that, but you want to be able to change your system out. Yeah. And still be able to have a house flavor that right. down the road you can still claim as your house flavor. So. Gotcha. I got some questions from the okay, chat room. If I, can, I, uh, sure. I think they're going to guide our discussion a little bit here about mashing. So if I can interrupt. Um, let's see. Where I'm not did sure I if I'm start? ready for this, actually. Okay. Uh, one person wanted to know, is the pH important in mm. mashing? Yes. That's yeah. a good question. I would definitely agree with Jonathan. Mm-hmm. I would have to say that I have always... Not worried about that mm-hmm. because of the type of malt that I use. Okay. So you end up having, I understand that I don't have the, uh, calcium in my, uh, in my beer. The, uh, which is going to end up not allowing that, that malt to adjust its own pH. But you have to be aware, if you have a really soft water, yeah. then you're going to have to worry about, uh, Adjusting your pH. But otherwise, your mash should adjust it on its own. Okay. Um, a lot of people will disagree with me. A lot of people use a 5-2 buffer, uh, which, which is, works um, really I'm, well. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I, I want your opinion on that, maybe a little more detail, mm-hmm. because it's a topic in our forum. Some people want to know about the 5-2 buffer. Yeah. You've used it? I have never used it. I've tasted a lot of beers with and without it. Okay. And I would say that it definitely helps with the consistency. Okay. But I don't travel outside of my water source, right. and the water source varies very little throughout the year. It does vary, mm-hmm. but it varies a small enough amount to where I spend my time. I mean, the brewery basically, we have three total people in the brewery. We have an owner yeah. who helps out with a lot of the ideas of the brewery. Okay. And then we have myself, and we also have a guy by the name of Stephen who works there. Mm-hmm. And Stephen helps with a lot of the... Other stuff that goes on, and then we have a lot of discussions. He's a home brewer, big time into it. So we discuss a lot about mashing, and we try a lot of his different ideas. And What does he think about time. water? I don't believe Stephen even adjusts his okay. pH. I, I would say I, of the commercial breweries that I know, I don't know of any of them that do adjust their pH. Okay. okay. But um, it, it does affect your fermentation, though. It does, as a matter of fact. But the thing is, is what you want is something consistent. Right. And you can actually well, change your pH of your mash by the type of grain that you choose to sure. use in your malt okay. bill. And that would be, you could adjust it by doing step mashing. You actually, you can through the uh, acidification acid step, rest you know, acid rest, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So in like 95 degrees, right. I think, is your acid rest. But Protein it takes like two to three hours. So you yeah. wouldn't say so. don't use something like a 5.2 buffer. But I you're, use it. But you're, you do use it all yes. the time? Because I, I remember that talking to you, John, that I you just started two. doing a pH sort of, uh, that, well, just watching it anyway. Well, I've heard from a home brewer's perspective, I've heard I use 5.2 on everything. You do? And, and, I, and you I always do the, have? Or? I always have. Okay, interesting. But the one thing that's about the 5.2 is that 
if you do a darker beer like a porter or a stout, uh-huh. those darker grains seem to be they're more acidic. They're definitely more acidic. So yeah. the pH adjuster will actually bring out more astringency from those darker grains, which will actually kind of affect the flavor of your beer. And you don't want. That. And I had a stout that I used a five two before, and that beer turned out horrible. Okay. But the one before without the five two was awesome. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So but be the careful. five, your your you just said, and I just want to make sure everyone heard it. Yeah. Your Hellas that just won first in yeah. the country. And five you two. used the five two. Right. All right, that's a good answer for the forum about so, whether or not that five two is is effective at all. There's also another home brewer that uses it. And he cuts down his actual dosage by half okay. because he actually t- can taste a salt flavor on his tongue. Okay. Sure. But I worry about the water wherever he's getting it from. So. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, everyone's water is different. Yeah. And, of course. Uh, you know, the one thing uh, actually, when Jonathan brought up porters and stouts and whatnot, and uh-huh. how he had an issue with his five two on that, well, a trick that actually some Trappist monks came up with a long time ago was adding some handfuls of dark malt to their mash, and that's something that I've implored. I only simply do it out of tradition. I don't know exactly how much it helps, but I'm sure it does acidify the mash to a certain degree. Mm. And it doesn't do it enough to color the wort. I'll do it on my blonde lager. I'll do it on my wheat beer, and I don't notice a difference in color. But uh, I am very happy with all my beers. So, okay, you know, it, there's all these little, I mean, some people you always use wheat. Yeah. I mean, I the person who taught me how to do all grain suggested always using wheat and Munich. Okay. I've kind of fallen away from Munich into Vienna. Okay. I mean, there's all kinds of different little steps that people have. Some of them even may even develop into superstitions, even. Yeah. That but, if you uh, change yeah, it up. Yeah, sure. You yeah. throw a little bit of black malt in there. You always use wheat in Vienna. I mean, yeah. there's, there's superstitions to the mash, and that's the great thing about it, because you can't actually see anything happening. Yeah. That's you just me. know I'm that, that it's guy. changing. Yeah. You can't if, see. If I don't pour my, if I don't put my fermenter in the same spot on the tile and yeah. pour my word into it every time, yeah. I think that it's might, that it might not taste good. You, you have a, <laughs> we, we need to talk. <laughs> well, because you gotta do every, you know, I just, it's a superstition. I'm a superstitious guy, and I gotta put it, there's, yeah. a, there's actually, make a, a beer. there's actually, I've got these big square tiles in my kitchen and I actually put it on the right tile every time. Brewing is a ritual. I mean, I think that's a it little is. crazy, but And whatever. I like the ritual. <laughs> F you. That's mad. <laughs> All right, I got a lot more questions. Okay. Uh, we're going to have to... We're, we're, we're going to go... Uh, by the way, we're going to go way over schedule to everybody, but I, I still want to try to cut it down. We're going to save it for next week. So let's go short answers, but quality answers. You All got right. me, guys? Let's go. Ready, go. Okay, uh, let's see. Let's see. How do I know when to stop my sparge? And is that a temp? I think that volume. The secondary question to that is: <laughs> Is it a temperature question? I would say it's not a temperature. I always run off until I have the correct volume. It's a trick. You need to know how much grain you have in your mash tun, mm-hmm. how much water you have in it. But you want to time it out. If you run your mash tun all the way out, you're going to end up gathering a lot of the loose grains at that bottom that were filtered out. Okay, they're going to end up going into your boil color. You right. don't want that. You want to cut it off before okay. that. Now that's a good answer because I remember being at John's and, and doing the sparge with you, right. John, and and we're really trying to get the most out of it. I remember yeah. really, Just and I'm going, dry. and you're, you know, I'm going, hey, it's trickling out, and you're saying, actually, we're getting, look at that, just look at it and it's smell it, we're getting good stuff. Yeah. So I think that's a good question. When mm-hmm. I know that volume is the obvious answer, yeah. but in your but, liquor tank, you can never have enough water. I mean, if you have some leftover, who cares? You want your volume, you know, you can use that hot water, recycle it, clean okay. with it, whatever. Just have more than enough. 
So is a general rule then to when you're starting to get some junk in there to go ahead and cut it off? You want to cut it off at that point. That was a, a clear indicator. If you don't have your volume in your kettle yet, mm-hmm. that's a clear indicator of the fact that you did not run enough hot liquor into your mash. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's also a pH shutoff where you want to shut that off, and I believe it's 3.2 pH. Could be wrong. That kind of seems ridiculous that's, that's to really me. That's low. That happens after fermentation, I think. Yeah, it seems pretty ridiculous to me, but that's the first number that jumps into my I mind right now. I think it's 5.2 five, or 5.5. Five, five, six, maybe? Yeah, running from yeah. the mash. Because yeah. uh, right. if you get worse than that, then you're going to get astringency from your I grain. think so, yeah. That's when you start drawing out tannins. So you yeah, don't exactly. want to run too much through it, but you want to get all the clear liquid out and get the right exact volume. So you want to... It takes a while to dial that in, but you can okay. get that. Okay. Next question. Uh, what are the biggest problems of sparging with too low temperatures, like mm-hmm. way under 170 degrees, it says? That's interesting that you bring that extraction. up, actually. It's, it's all extraction. And there was actually a, a gentleman by the name of George Fix. I don't know if you guys have ever studied him or anything like that. I've read a lot of his books. I honestly can only understand about a quarter of it because it's extremely technical. Okay. And, I mean, I studied a lot about physics and chemistry and biology in school, but I still don't quite understand exactly what he's talking about. But he did a study mm-hmm. that has been broken down into layman's term for me that he shows that one of the only negative effects of a cooler sparge, even as much as tap water, mm-hmm. is efficiency. Okay. Your efficiency is going to drop ex- excruciatingly a lot. So and I mean, by you could efficiency, end up you're talking about the amount of fermentables you're getting out the of your amount of sugar. Yeah, the sugar. gravity you're going to end up with in okay. your final wort. So that's the problem with the too low, is that you're, yeah. you're going to end up with, with not enough fermentables. Right. Exactly. And okay. you can adjust that, I mean, with more malt if you wanted to. Okay. But I would recommend against that and just do it the way people have done it for mm-hmm. okay. you know, the past few hundred years. When using higher temperatures, these are all from the chat room, guys. I appreciate the questions. When using higher temperatures, what about the tannin? That's the question. You don't want to exceed like 168. Is that as, where you get into tannin? As far trouble? as strike water hitting your mash. Like I heat up my my liquor water to 170, but the actual temperature on top of my grain bed is about 150 to 155. And I've never changed it. It seems a little cold, but if you go higher than that, you can definitely get some astringency, some smokiness maybe possibly from your grain. You could cook your grain. I say 172, so let's call 170 then. 170 is yeah, a rule of thumb, <laughs> sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Somebody in the chat room said that they used 5.2 and pitched up 5% on his extraction. An efficiency Possible. rating. Is it, yeah. yeah. That's what it's meant for, using your mash. To and get more efficiency is. out of it. Okay. He probably had very soft water where he started from. That's great. Yeah. Right on. Uh, okay. Uh, we were talking about grain and, and some, some certain things that you use all the time. What are the biggest differences between two-row and six-row? Um, well, you all you have diastolic power on two-row and six-row. Um, six-row is where you have the amount that it's able to convert itself. How much... What are the amount of enzymes in there? Uh-huh. Six row has more enzymes. Six row also has less protein. Okay. Like beta glucans, they call them. It's okay. a type of protein, which will cloud like chill haze. Okay. And makes it much more difficult to filter or settle your beer. Gotcha. So like larger breweries, you will use six row. Smaller breweries will use two row. Okay. Um, and what do they get out of that? Less effort in the process, really. Yeah. So you have to break down those beta glucans. Yeah. Later, I believe, in the mash process. So it's, again, we're talking about fermentables coming out of that grain? Right. A certain temperature, I believe, breaks down those beta-glucans. It is. is and protein rest? That would be the protein rest, actually, yeah. yeah. Okay. That, which is like 125 Fahrenheit. Okay. 
So would you say then for a home brewer, it's a lot easier to use a two-row because you're, it's easier to get your fermentables out of it. Sure. Easier I mean, to break down the beta-glucans. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you, you probably get a better beer while it might not be as clear as a commercial brew. I think it all has to do with the clarity, the, the chill haze and the clarity of the, uh, of the final product. Okay. I think is, and then also the diastolic power, how much you actually have to use of it. So if you're doing a thousand barrels a year compared to 600,000 barrels a year, mm-hmm. you're going to have a much different bill to pay to your malt provider. If you're using something that converted a lot easier. Gotcha. So. Cool. All right. Uh, how about this? Uh, let's see. I got a lot of questions here. They're all good this questions. Awesome. Um, we like this feedback. Okay. Yeah. This question has been asked twice, I think. Uh, so I got to get it to you. Is there a grain that you cannot live without, Morgan? Uh, that's a very interesting thing. I mean, I guess I would have to say two row because two-row. that's okay. the base of all beer that I make. Okay. Um, if you're going to throw out base malts and, and just say specialties, yeah, I'm a huge fan of, uh, I'm split between Crystal 40 and Vienna. Okay. Yeah. Hey, what about you, John? I'm curious. Was there a grain you can't live without? Base malt, Maris Otter. All my ales use Maris Otter. Base Everyone? Malt. Okay. Yeah. Maris Otter is extremely biscuity. It leaves yeah. a yeah. nice, and it's very aromatic too. But it, it's very mouthful yeah. feeling, very malty. Not as dry as a two row. Okay, I enjoy the flavor more. I miles. keep on trying to convince him if he likes that flavor to look at Gambrinus two row out of Canada. Okay, yeah, good stuff. We I got mean, some Canadian uh, listeners out there. I it's want, out of BC actually. Gambrinus is that what it's called? Gambrinus. Yeah, Gambrinus. Yeah, it's a small little malting company. Gambrinus two yeah. row. If there's any Canadians out there listening this week, I know we have a few Canadians who hang out with us sometimes. Uh, if you have any experience with that malt, I'd be curious to know either in the chat room or go ahead and call us up eight 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 four zero one beer. Okay, uh, here is a question. It's a, is it, is this true question? Do you want to stop sparging once the gravity coming out of the mash tun drops below 110? Well, 10-10, sorry. Well, that's it. That's like a, a layman's way of determining the pH of okay. the wort. So I would definitely at that point say sure. But at the same time, if you're starting out with a 1044, say if you're doing a wheat beer and you're doing a nice little four, four and a half percent beer, a 1010 runoff at the end isn't necessarily uncalled for. Okay. Um, if you're doing like a double IPA, sure. Okay. You know, so it really depends on what you're brewing and what your purpose of that word is. But, uh, if you're using that as a way of measuring pH, I would say that's a, a decent way of looking at that, sure. Okay. Uh, this is an interesting question because I heard him talking about it in the forum. We're talking about water now, and they were talking about reverse osmosis water in the forum and, and about it, you know, taking, uh, taking nutrients out of it. You Be two careful. are looking at each other like this. Uh, so this question is sort of like that. They want to know, uh, if it's okay to use bottled water that has fluoride added to it. Hmm. Think about that. Uh, yeah. Fluoride. You know what? There, there are certain thresholds for fluoride. Fluoride a chemical? Fluoride is a, is an element. It's an element. Yeah. Oh, natural element. It yeah. is a Mother natural ground. element. Yeah. Okay. It helps your teeth out a lot. It mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily, mm-hmm. at, at certain levels, it doesn't help out your wort. Okay. Um, you're so, going to hit a certain threshold, and for the life of me, I can't remember. However, I can tell you, Papazian's companion book has a table on all the different minerals, the thresholds on where you want to stay away from. Okay. And uh, that's definitely a good reference for different minerals and what you'd want to use for minerals in there. Okay. But fluoride in general, if you have a little teeny, teeny, tiny bit in there, it's not going to hurt it, you know. Okay. But, uh, Jonathan? 
yeast need minerals. So they do, yeah. yeah. So, so food source. So no reverse osmosis. A lot of people, a lot of pro brewers or even home brewers do it just because they are so picky about the water. But I, I'm just nervous about stripping all the minerals out of my water. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you to. this. I yeah. think it's an awesome discussion because I didn't, I well, because I didn't know a thing about it. Mm. Uh, and I get my, I, I get all my water from the store, and and I there's a there's a machine that you can fill up your bottle, and it's cheap, and that's why I do it. And I remember reading that it is reverse osmosis yeah. water, and the reason I use it is because I can actually smell the chemical a little bit in my water. I have good water at home. I'll drink it myself. Mm -hmm. But if I put it in a glass and I put my nose to it, I can smell the chlorine and whatnot in it just a little bit. And I had... I had read that if you can smell anything on your water, you, you might not want to use it to brew. Well, that's actually an interesting thing to bring up. Here okay. in California, they use something called dichloramides or yeah. bichloramides okay. also. Um, though, that's not something that will be driven off by the boil. It will be. So it will not be. Oh, it won't be. Yeah, okay. chlorine will be, but dichloramides will not. Okay. So that's something where you'd want to actually run through a charcoal, activated charcoal filter. Gotcha. To get that out because that will affect fermentation. Okay. Um, well, what about right now? I don't have the ability yet to, to run it through a filter, uh-huh. so I'm getting reverse osmosis water, yeah. which is stripped of pretty much all its nutrients. Well, you there. also brew extracts, so you're not worried about conversion. I'm not. Okay. So for an extract batch, it's not necessarily as big of a deal because you still have the nutrients for the yeast from your, in the word. Okay. You know? Okay. So, yeah. So as an extract brewer, that's not really as big of an issue. But when you get into all grain, then... Your water chemistry and your pH and your mineral content really starts to take effect a bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, this is a, a, a pretty general question. Where's the best place to get malts for homebrew? And I don't think they mean store. I think they mean, you know, which, which place has the best malts that beer, they're distributing. Beer, beer, more beer. <laughs> well, there's a bunch of homebrew shops out there, so, you know. Uh, but, I, but I wonder uh, if they're talking about the where they're made, like which. Breeze? Because beer, beer, and more beer, for example, we're, buys we're, their malts from someplace. Right, okay. There's so, supplier. So, so which place that, it, that malts are being bought from? There's Breeze Malting. Okay. Uh, Great Western. I think instead of worrying about what companies there are, I think it depends on what type of beer you're making. Okay. True. You know, if you're making an English pale ale, I would suggest using an English pale malt. Marisotter, okay. And then you have Marisotter, you've got, uh, you know, I'm sure there's faucets. I mean, mm. there's a lot of different type of, uh, churros out there for, for some, or pale malts for some English ones. If you're doing an American style premium lager, I mean, you're gonna wanna use a six row. Which would probably be grown in like Wyoming or something like that. Okay. And it, it depends on what type of beer you're making. And you need to research, if you're interested in doing it like authentic style, mm-hmm. research where that beer came from and probably try and buy malt from that area would okay. be the best bet. Uh, back to water for a second. Someone wants to know if you treat your water, Morgan. I go through a charcoal filtration and that's all that I do. That's all you do. Yeah. And I know that you go through a filter too. What do you go through, John? It's a carbon block filter. Yeah. You same know, thing. Same thing. Okay. And yeah. Uh, 5.2 pH stabilizer. Okay. I don't do the 5.2, but, uh, I go for consistency as right. best. So. And okay. some people use lactic or phosphoric acid to adjust their pH. Okay. Or calcium. Or calcium. Calcium carbonate. Carbonate, right. Morgan, who sells the Gambrinis in the States? Um. Ooh, I don't know. That's a very good question. I used to work at a company that bought Gambrinis. Uh huh. Gambrinis, sorry. You can buy it, I know through Brewers Premium, which I know is a commercial wholesale company. I'm not sure if they sell directly to the public. I think I, w- at that point, would 
bug a homebrew shop to get it and try and get them to, to buy that. Homebrew. Yeah, call John at the brewing John, network and tell him yeah. to get it at his store. I think it can be done. <laughs> I know there's a lot of companies shop. that use it, so uh, <laughs> okay. I know they deliver down in this area. So give it a try. Couple more questions here. They're coming. These this guys, these guys want to know. Okay, you guys were talking about a protein rest, and, and especially in terms of mash temps and which grain you're using. So someone wants to know, uh, for one, what is a protein rest? Uh, and I think it's because uh, they have a low mash temperature of like 122. So why would they do a protein rest? Is, is, I think that's the second question. But the first question is, what's a protein rest? Well, a protein rest, as far as I'm concerned is a way to uh, make a, a clear beer after fermentation. Keep your chill haze down. Okay. And uh, it also increases, lipids. like, the foam uh, ability of your beer. So if you it, rest the protein, you get more foam. Well, it's not necessarily resting it. What it's doing is it's you have an enzyme that will break longer um, chains of proteins mm-hmm. down into both amino acids, which will help feed the yeast, and also shorter proteins, which will build like a skeletal system okay. for your head. Okay. And it also will enable it to drop out of solution better. So you end up with a better head, more clear beer, and uh, just overall a better beer. Okay. That's only if your malt is not modified properly. Most of the malt you buy nowadays is going to be modified to the point to where a protein rest is not necessary. Okay. It's fun to do, but I, I would not necessarily recommend it. Unless you're out there purposefully buying under-modified malt, it's going to require that, like a Pilsen-type malt and whatnot. So. Okay. And it does vary based on ales or lagers. It does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, this is a long one, and I'm um, make sure I got it right here. Is there anything wrong with using a 10-inch round false bottom when using... Um, when using uh, when sparging in an ice cube forty eight quart cooler, would it be better to I think it says fly or batch sparge with that setup? Would it be better to fly or, or batch sparge with that the setup? The problem with the false bottom is you're only drawing from one area, okay. so you have I mean you have all these other areas in the grain that are not going to be drawn from. Okay. Um, batch sparge. Fly, what, one, what, like a fly sparge would be filling up the mash tun with, with hot no water hot, and then letting it run right. dry. That's a fly sparge. I believe. So no, you that's batch sparge. Batch sparge. Fly sparge, I think it's It's sparging, yeah. yeah. But w- one of the processes, whatever, is you actually compensate your actual base mall if you're using Tiro or Maris Otter. Mm-hmm. You would increase it maybe 40 60% to get your sugar volume okay. going into your boil kettle. And then... That would actually compensate for your sugar loss with all the sugars that you leave behind there, your actual mash ton. And you're leaving it behind because you have the false bottom? Well, it's because you don't have a third vessel. You don't have a hot liquor tank or a hot water tank okay. to rinse all the sugars from that grain bed. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Okay. Uh, this is a redundant question. Uh, it's a reverse osmosis necessary for brew water. The, qu- the answer is no. It's no. not necessary. No. No. Not, necessary not unless no. you wanted to tune in your water to a certain type of water. Based like if on you wanted style, a Burton I mean, on Trent water yeah. or like a super soft pills and check water or whatever. Okay. Then you would go through reverse osmosis and add the minerals back right. into the solution. And with extract, it's fine to use it, like you guys said, too. Yeah. And yeah. maybe with all grain, you it, don't it, want to. On my flight over here, I was actually just thinking about when you think when you when you brew an extract beer, you're not doing the mash. 
So you're not affecting your pH. You're not extracting the minerals yourself from your own grain that you bought. You're buying extract that you got from your homebrew supply shop where someone did else, all that work for you. Yeah. So the beer is going to be different. pH still affects fermentation. It does. Okay. I agree. But okay. it's different if you're doing a mash. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, I did not mean by any means that that was a stupid question because I got it's a lot not, of I got yeah. a lot of really dumb questions coming out of my noggin. You should do a water here, talk so, on our uh, show. Yeah. <laughs> so Water's that was huge. a good that was a good question. Yeah. I just uh, all I meant was we had talked about it a little right. bit. Uh, all right. And off topic for you, Morgan. Do you have a house yeast? What's your favorite yeast over there? Um, I actually came into the company when it had two yeast yeast strains. Uh, okay. We both have a lager yeast strain. Okay. Which uh, we buy from White Labs, which is uh, White Labs 830, German lager strain. Okay. And then we also buy our ale strain through White Labs, um, which is uh, 002, which is the English style. But you're repitching as well? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So you're starting out with that, but then you're repitching as much sure. as you can. I grow up my lager strain from four homebrew pitches mm-hmm. up to a 15-barrel batch size, and I pitch that. And I run it about 10 or 12 generations. And then I do the same thing. Except I buy a 15-barrel pitch on my ale mm-hmm. yeast, and I run that about 10 or 12 generations. Are you repitching from your fermenter? Uh, from sorry, from your carboys? Um, f- at or home, I do not. Do you only repitch from from a conical then? Because that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Is I, and there's a lot yeah. of talk about repitching, and I find it. I haven't tried it, but mm-hmm. I find the concept extremely difficult to repitch from a from sure. a carboy. The best bet on a carboy to repitch is something called party guile. That's okay. a weird name. But what you would do is you would siphon off all your beer. Okay. The best bet would be like, uh, I know there's a lot of homebrew shops that sell like hoods and you would use CO2 to push your beer mm-hmm. out of your, uh, primary into your, or secondary or whatever into your keg, leave your yeast there, and then you would actually rack your next batch of wort right on top of it. Okay. The, the problem with that is you're getting your, your tube, you're also getting all your, Yeast that's already gone into autolysis and stuff like that. Yeah, along in the mix. So you're and definitely all some that, flavors but. from the from the previous beer, right? Eh? Some, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because in in siphoning off of of uh, of the yeast bed in a carboy, you're leaving some liquid there. You're not just leaving the trub, right? You because if well, if you're trying to get a good clean secondary, and you yeah. don't want to suck up too much stuff, right? So what I, my concern would be of throwing another batch on top of that is the liquid that's left there yeah. as well as the good stuff. You would you, definitely want to use your secondary yeast that settles out that's free of free from your tube. It would just be a cleaner beer. Okay. So you don't want those off flavors potentially yeah. from your tube. Your okay. tube's going to fall out first, and then your yeast is going to after that. Yeah, okay. As a home brewer, I would rack after like four to seven days to secondary. Okay. I just yeah. wouldn't rack. I guess the uh, reverse osmosis question came because B3 cell, this is from the chat room as well, B3 sells a reverse osmosis kit, and that person was wondering if that's necessary. And I guess the answer is it depends on you know, what beer a, you're brewing. It's up to the brewer. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do that and add that to your process, go for it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it depends on how fast you But you don't, you but get. it's not necessary. It's not necessary. Yeah. Okay. No. So to answer the necessary question, beer it's is not. still what, 85 to 95% water, okay. roughly? Um, it depends on what percentage of so alcohol you have. It I is guess. important, though. We want to stress yeah. water is important, but beer's yes. been being brewed for like ten thousand years, eight thousand years, something well, like that, without a reverse osmosis. And I love the, that. <laughs> I love without that. reverse osmosis, it has gotten a lot better in the past hundred and fifty years. Right. And I hope we that it, hope. it continues to get better. Yeah. But so uh, but I think that it can be done without a RO system, not a problem, and and turn out with some excellent beer. You I just need to pick the styles you, that works best. I actually think that if beer continues to get better, I'm, I'm probably going to drown in it at one point. Yeah. 
That's know. a good way to go out. Because yeah. it's real good right now. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, okay, one more question. Uh, uh, we've answered it earlier in the show. Uh, it, it's, do you ever use hops in the mash tun? And I believe you said you do. I do, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I, I, I do. do. And John yeah. does too, also. Yeah, Hop, uh, mash hopping is a pretty awesome thing. I do it both on a harvest ale, where I use hops that I just pick off of a vine, throw it in there, and I also do it on a, on an IPA that I do, and I, I think it adds a lot to the flavor. What do you think, Jonathan? Um, well, I, th- outside of from flavor, I think it does add some aroma, maybe some bitterness, uh-huh. but I think it acts as a great heat preservative during your mash. For a homebrew level, like my, Without mash hopping, my degrees, my mash temperature actually dropped about four to six degrees with hops on top, two to four degrees of that. It really? just preserves the heat. Yeah. It keeps everything in. Have you ever thought about using a lid? I do use that too. Same thing. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I use a lid. Is it okay if I say on the air that John's girlfriend is doing sexy dances in the studio trying to distract us all? I'm doing well. And, yeah, I'm uh, focused. And John's totally focused. Yeah, I'm focused. Although I was totally checking it yeah. out. Yeah, she looks so good, too. <laughs> I don't know if that was... Hey, I just want to say that on yeah, the air. More IPA, please. Okay. <laughs> okay. I got a couple of last things. I want to wrap it up. So uh, the first thing is I said that I was going to get an evaluation of my IPA in here, which uh, Flo, I think, just took away your glasses. But sure. you guys at least drank... You, I had poured these guys... Uh, they poured themselves as well. Uh, a couple glasses of my, my IPA. Uh, thank you, John. Nice work. That's actually the first one today, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I saw Morgan turn to the side a couple of times on the microphone. Nobody knows if it's all right to just burp on the microphone. You got me into it. I have to oh, do it now. If we don't get a couple of show, it's not really a beer show. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I guess I'm a little bit too bashful. It's only my first appearance here. That's no, totally cool. Last week I, di- I, I did it, and Dr. Scott looked at me like I had just presented the Bible for the first time. He was like, you mean we're allowed to do that? Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll like, tell you yeah, what. Yeah, man. There's a good story about that. You've got uh, Queen Elizabeth shows up. Uh, uh, on a horse, uh-huh. and the horse lets out this huge fart, and uh, she's a little bit embarrassed. I mean, she's in front of all her noble men and <laughs> of course. noble women. It's embarrassing. And she says, uh, excuse me. And uh, <laughs> one of the knights says, you know, that's completely acceptable. In all honesty, I thought it was the horse. <laughs> <laughs> of course. That's perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> All right, so here's my last two topics I want to get to. One is I want to get some good home brewer advice out of you. But first, I want to talk about my IPA, not for my sake, uh, although it's going to help me a ton, but for a home brewer's sake. And let me set it up by this. I want to tell you uh, a, a few of the things that I've done ro- that I feel I did wrong with this IPA. Um, I'm, I'm a I'm a hop head. I love hops. Mm-hmm. I love hoppy beers. Uh, Racer Five. And Russian Rivers, like Imperial IPA, I think it is, are two of my favorite. Flying Rogues Imperial yeah. IPA. Yeah. Oh. We're talking some series. But my two personal favorites right now are the Russian River and the and the Racer 5. Okay. There's lots of good ones out there. Definitely. Because because you drink it, and it's and the first drink is almost too bitter, and after that it's just real good, and you almost chew on that. I have two pints nice. of beer in front of me, by the way. That's awesome. Okay. So, uh, oh, I got a clone recipe note here. Don't worry. I'm going to get a clone recipe okay. as, if I can before we go. Okay. So... Anyway, I wanted a really hoppy IPA, so I hopped the ha- uh, out of this one, and uh, there's like a, a bunch of Columbus, some Cascade. I did a uh, the lightest hops I did in it was the 
final hop, the aroma, where I did some Kent Goldings because I wanted a nice little flowery hop at the end just for some aroma. And then I dry hopped it with two ounces of hops as well. So I wanted super hoppy. It is grassy. And, and yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say I, I truly enjoy it. You were, you were scaring me off of it, and I think it's, it's a beer. great beer. I think the, the EKG, they call it now, the BKG, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, I think that's going to add a little bit of an earthiness, not necessarily a floral to it. Okay. But I think you've got it. I don't think it's over bitter. Okay. Um, you were going to suggest something wrong with temperature of fermentation. It seems to me like it probably was an average of 70 degrees, probably with a Cal Ale yeast. Nope. Uh, what did you use? English. I did use, I think I did use the Cal Ale actually uh-huh. on this one. I'd have to look again. Did you go up as much as seventy four? Uh, it was it, above. It was more like it was seventy four to seventy seven. Hmm. And that's where I was. Are t- you sure? Oh, I'm sure. Well, I'm, sure. I'm as sure as my temperature gauge read. Anyway, where was your and, temperature uh, gauge? It's it sticks on the outside of the, of the carboy. Okay. So so maybe that was off. But well, here was my here was my thing about the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, is that for one, I I. I think I brewed it properly, and I and I pitched the the it's right clean. yeast for it. It's a very clean and beer, then, yeah. yeah. And then I and then I put it in the carbo, and it sat in the in the primary for for probably mm, I'm gonna say 17 days at okay. at at 74 to mm, 76. It's uh, not right what I would there. recommend, but it turned out especially well at that point. Then yeah. okay, yeah. then I then I secondaried it especially well. It's good enough, dude. Yeah, I it's, tried. It's late in the show. We're, yeah. we're like twenty minutes over schedule. You can slur all you. All right. Want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then I put it to secondary, and and I added the hops to it, uh, and it sat there for another, I think, seventeen days on uh, in the secondary, and that's where I, I told you I thought it was re-fermenting. Although you mm-hmm. say it may just have been the, the carbon dioxide, which yeah. uh, which I which actually makes more sense to me because it's not as if it looked like fermentation. Mm-hmm. It's just, and maybe some of you at home, it was bubbling. It was. It, I definitely got some CO two release out of my stopper, but it, it was also churning. Yeah. I was definitely getting some hop sediment that was going to the bottom, and it was pushing right back up to the top, and it yeah. was definitely churning. And maybe some of you at home know what I'm talking about. You've gotten that too, so. These are things that I thought might have been wrong with it. First, the temperature, and it was a fluctuation of temperature too. And then, second, that I thought maybe it was refermenting. So, well, go I'd ahead. have to say that all those things you definitely want to stay away from. But on this beer, I think um, I would try and recreate because I think it's an awesome beer. You think it's awesome? I I, I yeah. love this beer. As a matter of fact, yeah. Whatever are you, you serious? Did wrong, I would do again. Johnny? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, what you're oh, telling man. me doesn't make any sense because it young. tastes terrific. See, because yeah. I, I didn't want to say it to you beginning because of all the things I felt that I did wrong. I told you that I liked it. Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome, too. That's weird. Com- <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you That's do. weird. But like, I compare it to, to me, it's a lot like the Russian River IPA that I that I bought from B3. I, I got one when I first got my kegerator. It's the first keg I It's not overly there. bitter. And, no, uh, it's not. It's very well balanced, and it's got a lot of apricot to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is Sweet nice. malt too. The malt top. is there and it backs it up. Dry and finish. Oh come on, keep it yeah. coming, guys. Keep Dry it. Finish. No, no, it's nice. <laughs> I think it's, it's, too, it's young. If you yeah. could, you it won't feel the. It won't last a week. I but tried. You need to, I tried to age it. It's it's been in in the cooler for a week now, and I was hoping to keep it in there for another week. But then we ran out of yeah. beer at home. So what are you going to do? You got to put it on the tap, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But you're clean, so oh, you're good. You I love you guys. Yeah. Give me a hug. <laughs> Uh, no, that's okay. cool. Actually, hey, I'm glad you like it. Let go it. of his butt. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. Whoa. Well done. All right. Cool. 
All right. Well, I was actually that's that's good for me. It's bad for our listeners. I was hoping for for it to be sort of bad and a bunch of constructive criticism. No, it's all right. It smells great too. <laughs> yeah. So that our listeners could have got beer, something. Man. Congratulations. Is it original? Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Jonathan's pretty happy yeah. that that wasn't going up against him in that competition <laughs> he just went through. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't know if I can ever rec- I'm going to recreate it tonight. Yeah, you are. I'm do it again. Hope you fail. All right. Okay, well cool. Uh I'll try to brew a bad one so that we get more constructive criticism for our listeners out there. Spit the in it. Time. That'll help. Okay. I want to finish with just a couple questions for you Morgan then. Um cuz I want to talk about just some techniques maybe our homebrewers can take home with them. Um are there any techniques that you think are unique to your process? Hmm. And they, it doesn't have to be that they're patented and nobody sure, uses sure. them. But, you know, sort of original and, and, and not many people use that you might want to disclose. Um, well, I do a hop back. Okay. And I think a lot of people do hop backs. I think the thing is when you have, when you have a trade that's been out there for eight to 10,000 years, I think it's pretty hard to come up with something that's brand new. Um, I think okay. the biggest thing that I can stress to someone would be something that's stressed to them from the time, number one, they start brewing is sanitation, okay. temperature control, fermentation, science. And and that's what it's all about. All you're doing is preparing the wort for the yeast to consume and do its job. So you're actually a slave to the yeast. And as long as you can be a good slave to the yeast, it will give you great beer. Okay. Um, and so the, something for me to pass on to a home brewer mm-hmm. would be be clean, uh, be fastidious in your sanitation and continue with that. And then when you're done with that, do it again. Okay. And you'll make good beer. Okay. Yeah. I had other questions, but I think that's an awesome yeah, way to end it. Right there. Way to end it. I think that's yeah. perfect. Oh, well actually, said. no, I'm not allowed to end it like that. No. Clone recipe. Clone recipe. I got a giant sign over here that, that wants a clone recipe. Uh, Morgan, are you mm-hmm. willing to give us a clone? Um, I have two clones that are commercially um, at morebeer.com yeah. right now. You can get there. You can get the fat quail pale ale. The fat quail. It's actually a hoppy amber. Okay. It's about six percent, and uh, use a lot of Columbus and a bit of Cascade. Um, it's a nice. It's got a bit of touch of caramel to it. Yeah. A lot of Columbus, which has that nice orange tangerine type flavor. Okay. So it's like a caramel tangerine. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Okay. And then I also just gave up my recipe to the rye. To okay. That, which is a nice spicy one. It's only about eleven percent rye, um, which is a little bit lower than a lot of the ryes out there, but it still gives a nice spiciness to it. And if they're not satisfied with that, I mean, they're. I, I could see someone going up as high as 25% with it okay. and seeing what happens. But uh, you can get both of those recipes at More Beer. And uh, any other questions, I mean, they're more than welcome to email me. What's at, your email? Uh, Morgan at EJFair.com. Morgan at EJFair.com. Uh, he checks it every Saturday. Okay, so you can get a couple clones yeah. out of MoreBeer.com. He's got his there. You want to give away a shirt? I do. we got to give away labs. something. Uh, we're going to give what? a White Labs t-shirt. Extra large, long sleeve t-shirt, black and white. Oh, and I got a, another question here. We got to address too. Okay, yes, uh, we're going to give a white labs. It's an extra large, so you got to be a big dude. Uh, we're going to give it away to the chat room, and the reason we're giving it away to the chat room is because you guys have been awesome. You're always awesome to us every week, asking questions, getting involved, and uh, glad to help you guys out with your questions too. So we're going to give it away in there. Uh, I want a trivia question for the chat room. I think uh, I want something simple. And, uh, see if they were listening. Th- th- just to see, yeah, okay, we can maybe see, see if they were listening. You want to do that? Uh, Come on, Johnny. What temperature yeah. does protein rest yeah. take? 
No, or, no, that's too complicated. Okay. I don't know the fire. I wasn't. It's like 130 to 135. Okay. Do I get the t-shirt? I'm, you do. I'm a pretty big. Guy. You need an XXL though. Morgan. Hey, come on, man. <laughs> oh snap, <laughs> Morgan, you get a handshake. That's yeah, how you, you do. do. Um, all right, John, I want you to think of a question. I'm going to ask Morgan this. So okay. you go over there and don't, don't even listen because you'll get sidetracked. He's going to think of an easy question for the chat room. I want to give it away to you guys. Uh, this is the second time I've gotten this. It's a cherry stout recipe. People want a cherry stout recipe. Do you guys even do a cherry stout? Uh, I don't do a cherry stout, as a matter of fact. You don't. As a home brewery does. But you do it as a home brewer? Maybe that's why it's come through. Does somebody know you in there? They want your cherry stout recipe? You know recipe? what? I actually, even as home brewing, I've never done a cherry stout. I do a cocoa raspberry mead. Okay. And for that, I would recommend using raspberries, cocoa, and honey. Okay. A little bit of yeast, a little bit of water, good to go. Um, <laughs> Maybe a carboy. <laughs> you'd want to throw one of those into there, too. Um, yeah. okay. You know, I'm actually, and I almost, I don't know if I should preface this with an apology, but I don't necessarily go for fruit beers. Okay, neither do I. Um, I'm not a fruit beer kind of guy. I think that they have their time and place. What's that supposed to mean? I just think I'm not there at the right time or the right place for yeah, one of those. So I'm not a fruit um, guy either. But I don't knock them. I mean, I know that they're definitely very lucrative, mm-hmm. and a lot of people drink them. Okay. However, I'm more into using um, malted grains, water, yeast, and hops to make okay. my beer. So Okay. I have to pee, guys. Me What's too. the question, John? Uh, what is the difference between six-row and two-row malt? Okay. Yeah, it's a long answer, though, isn't it? If we were close, we we talked about it earlier, so hopefully somebody was listening. Does anyone really know the physical difference? Because I do. Well, screw you. You're uh. not getting the shirt, Morgan. <laughs> You're not getting the shirt. So you can call. Uh, I think that they should call with the physical difference, and then I'll verify that. All right. How about, can we make it real easy? The first person to type the name of our featured guest today gets the shirt. There you go. Done. Type the name of the brewer from uh, EJ Fair Brewery. He's hanging out with us this entire show. If it's you were English listening, name. you know his name. It's uh, it's an English name. Type it in that chat room, and you get the damn shirt. Uh, I want to make it easy because you guys have been awesome, and there's you y- you should get it. So it's uh, just a matter of quickness. There's going to be like 17 posts all at the same time. Did they all post it? Nothing. No, no one knows the name. Oh, they're answering the other question now. Oh, sh- no, you got to stick to no, Well, we got oh, two we shirts. Got it. We got it. Havoc. Okay. What? Havoc. That's the name Chat of Chat room, Havoc. That's who got the... What did he get? Morgan M O. Okay. We're gonna. Here's what we're gonna do. If the first answer, the uh, first question that John asked, if the proper answer is in the chat room, he gets a shirt too, and and the guy who just shirt. answered his we name, got, Morgan, he shirts. gets a shirt also. So there, we're, we're gonna give away. It's two. actually M O R G A N. English is their second language. It may be the whole German thing, whatever. Let's go easy. No, no, it's okay. I know French. Havoc, you get you get a shirt because you remembered his name. Do we get a proper answer to the two row six row? Because we'll give away a shirt to that dude too. Well, what do you got? Get John in there to read him. John, go around the back uh, there and, looking, and read those uh, things. You know, the interesting has thing more is enzymes and we don't have to stay on the air to do okay, this. We'll get, just just hang out in the in the chat room and we'll give it to you. All right, they're reading it. Uh, Morgan, I want to say thanks a lot for coming in today. Most definitely. Thank you for having me. It was a good time being here, and I appreciate this excellent IPA that Man. you totally flubbed up on. However, I completely like respect it. and enjoy it. That's awesome. Will you will you be drinking it for the rest of the night? Or are you going to switch as back to your pills? As long as that pills? keg uh, stays uh, handy, yeah, 
Um, I imagine it's not much more than 6.1%. So I don't yeah, think I, don't I have think another like light option. So I think um, mm-hmm. I'll either bounce back and forth or I'll just go for it. Okay. Because uh, yeah. if we get off the air and you switch right to the Pilsner, yeah. I'm going to think that you were blowing smoke the whole time. We need you a, know what? I, I think I, if that happens, you need to get right back on air and tell everybody. <laughs> yeah. We need Damaski123. To, uh, Is that the chat room? Yeah, this guy. He gets did, the other shirt. He did? He yeah. answered the uh, two, two has more enzymes room. to convert to starch to sugars. Okay. We're giving away two shirts. There yeah. you go. We're, we're going to... What? Was that not right, Morgan? That's all right. Let's roll with that one. Don't get all picky, Morgan. No, no, no. Okay, let's it's not be picky. late in the show. They're all as right. drunk as we are. Let's do it. <laughs> Is it, all right. that wrong? <laughs> That's not wrong. Let's roll with it. <laughs> Morgan, we're going to roll with it. Good enough. Okay, Two bye. shirts were given away. All right, Wayne, I hope you enjoy your gift certificate. Uh, Damaski, you're getting a shirt. And what was the first one? Havoc. 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 That's right. Yeah. Havoc, you're getting a shirt, too. Uh, Danielle is going to get your information out of the chat room. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Morgan, you're welcome back anytime. If you want to just come hang, even even if we got another brewery in here, it doesn't mean you can't well, come Well, thank you very much. I mean, I may end up doing that. I mean, yeah. this is uh, it's right in my stomping grounds. I'm in... Concord, and you guys are right here in Pacheco. That's right. We're right next to So, week. yeah. Come hang out with us, yeah. man. Share the share Definitely. the information. Well, I appreciate the invitation, and I may take you up on that. All right. Cool. We always have beer on tap. And Excellent. So Another good here. show. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, okay. I know that the chat room re- earlier, once we got into Hop Talks, was they really want a Hop Show. Let's do a Hop Show next week. You want to do a Hop Show next hop week? Hop Show next week. All right. Do we know who our guest is next week? I'll get one. <laughs> so no, we don't know who. It is. Uh, we will have a, we'll, we'll have another awesome guest for you guys. Yes. Don't worry about that. And Doctor Scott's back next week too, so we'll be happy to have Any? him back here getting yeah. drunk with us. Okay. And uh, we're gonna do a hop show. Hop so show. Uh, if you want to know about hops, all those questions you guys had, we'll do a whole hop show next week. And I'm stoked about doing a hop show. Yeah, you are. You hop fiend. Yeah, hops are us. That's right. I'm like hops are us. All right. Uh, this archive uh, will not be downloadable, like I said to you guys earlier, if you're just tuning in the, the, the second half. Uh, our website is coming soon. Um, that's all I can promise you is that it's coming soon. Uh, I talked to some guys. We're, we're getting it going. I need that full website to put the archives up for you. Uh, it's a little more complicated than just posting a file so that everybody can download it. When will we replay this show? This show will. That's what. I, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Is I will replay this starting Tuesday night. Uh, Tuesday night, I will put it in rotation, um, which sort of accommodates. It. I started at night because that way people in other countries who have like a nine-hour difference get to tune in right then, and it will replay for like two days. So it's going to go Tuesday night through Thursday night. So you can tune in pretty much at any time on Wednesday or Thursday and catch the show and just keep, you know, if you missed a part, just tune back in and it's going to be here. I'm going to get you the archives all downloadable soon. We're, we're working on it. I'm not ignoring you. And uh, all your song requests are going to get loaded too. Um, well, I should say most of them. Uh, we'll get them all up there and uh, you guys get more music too. Uh, keep the comments coming. Post in the forum. Send us feedback Woo-hoo. because we will make this station what you want it to be. And we're happy to see you here. We're happy to give you information. And uh, happy to be drinking beer and talking at the same time. It's a great thing. You can't, uh, you can't go wrong there. All right. It is the Brewing Network. This was our live show. And we'll be back next Sunday at the same time with some more information and some new brewers. The hops. Johnny P., congratulations you on again. your wins at the uh, in Baltimore. Cheers. You're awesome. Appreciate it. Uh, do we get to drink the rest of your Hellas now? It's all gone. Oh, shit. I got to brew it in December, so. All right. Brew it again. Okay. All right. Morgan, thanks again. It's thanks, good Mark. to have you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right. Good night, everybody. Here's Peter Gabriel. Cheers.